Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, May 1st, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. What's up? Mr. Bob Ryer. Yow. And rejoining us, Miss Stephanie Cook. Yeah. Stephanie, you are back <laughs> with us. I am. And we are very excited to have you here. Um, this past week, you were at Stumptown, correct? I, I was. Why don't you regale um, some of the l- listeners with some tales from uh, some town? Well, back in my day. We <laughs> <laughs> walked 15 miles in the snow. <laughs> um, well, so I went to uh, Stumptown this weekend. It was, if you don't know where, where that is, it's in Portland, Oregon, not Cincinnati, Oma. <laughs> um, and it's like a two-day show. I didn't really know what to expect. If you've seen Portlandia, Portland, I feel like, is very much like that. <laughs> so, like, it's one of those things where it could be really awesome or really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I arrived. They were super awesome. And I, they picked us up from the airport. They were just, like, beyond awesome. And then we got to the show. And I was kind of expecting, like, your normal kind of show, just kind of maybe smaller scaled down a bit since Stumptown isn't really one of the bigger shows you hear about every year. But... Stumptown is basically one um, convention hall of artist alley tables. Oh. So um, they had like a couple of, they had an art dealer for people who needed like pens and sketchbooks. They had Dark Horse Comics and uh, Tifa, which is Things from Another World, mm-hmm. um, selling comics. And that was like pretty well it for like exhibitors. Everyone else was um, indie artists and guests. Um. And it was just incredible. This is probably, like, most of the time I'm really content to sit at the table with Bill and just kind of talk to guests or, like, the attendees and hang out. But I couldn't sit still. Like, every five seconds, I was like, I'm sorry, Bill, I gotta go. I want to go wander. <laughs> and, like, within the first hour of being there, I swear, I must have spent, like, $200. Oh, boy. Oh boy. It nice. was just, like, one of those shows. Mm-hmm. But there was just so many incredible artists, so many local artists to Portland. And then um, amazing guests, too. I got to meet, like, our former uh, guest, Greg Rucka, and um, just a butt-ton of cool people. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. They had this really cool thing called, like, Podcast Alley. And basically, they have a guest, um, like, allotted every hour for Saturday and Sunday. And they have this, like, cool little nook set up. And there's, for, like, the guests, there's a couch, and they had, like, bookshelves all set up, and a chair for the interviewer and the interviewee. And then they had rows of chairs so that people could listen to the podcast as it was being recorded. That's awesome. And various podcasts Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. came in and interviewed their selected guests and all that stuff, and it was really neat. 
That's very was just, forward thinking of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally great. Um, and I got all sorts of cool shit. I started. Um, so many of my friends have themed sketchbooks that they get, you know, artists to do something in, and I've always wanted one, but like. My friend already kind of claimed Rogue, and I felt weird being like, well, I want to start a Rogue sketchbook, too. <laughs> and, you know, like, my friend is a Wolverine sketchbook, and all those characters that are kind of, you know, big characters were kind of taken by, like, a friend, and I didn't want to do All right, we're back. Uh, we had a crazy uh, problem again where Stephanie, the world exploded when Stephanie was talking about something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Stephanie, you were saying that you wanted to get a sketchbook, but you didn't want to do Rogue or Wolverine or these characters. A lot of your friends had already called these bigger characters. Yeah. Um, so, like, I was talking to Bill, and I was kind of, like, being pouty about it. I'm like, oh, no, do. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And he was like, why don't you just, like... I was like, you know, I should, I should just make a book of cats. And he was like, uh, yes. And I was like, ha ha ha. No, people are going to think I'm crazy. He's like, well, you're already crazy. So you might as well just do it. Right. And I was like, hmm. Okay. And so like, Bill was like, yeah, just have them do their characters like as cats if they have their own characters. So I was like, yes. Brilliant. And so like all these cool people, like I started out my book and like, the first person I got to do my sketch was Colleen Coover, who does Bandette. Mm-hmm. And trying to explain it to her, I was so nervous because she was the first person. And I must have come off like a crazy person. So <laughs> if by like some reason she's listening to this and like all that stuff, thank you for being like the most polite person <laughs> and not saying that I was crazy. Because you could like not maybe not clearly thought I was, but <laughs> I mean, you didn't really let on. But I don't know how you couldn't have. <laughs> Anyways, she drew Bandette Cat for me. Nice. And then I got like, um, like a web comic person named Terry Nelson and this person from Brazil to draw a cat. And Becky Cloonan drew um, me the cat from um, The Last Unicorn. The cat with like the eye patch and the wooden leg. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> because like reasons. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Ming Doyle drew me a cat of her, like her cat. <laughs> and then like her signature instead of saying just like Ming Doyle it's like Ming Doyle's cat <laughs> nice it's really great and then like Riley Rossmo did me this awesome like painted cat that's holding like a skull oh my nice. god <laughs> yeah it's so cool Riley and I like talked for ages and I told him all these like crazy stories I swear he probably thought I was drunk but he was really nice about it all <laughs> and then there's like a couple of indie artists that did these amazing cats for me too and um let's see who else and this girl who did the Princess Mononoke print that I got, that, or not print, um, original. Sorry, yeah. original. Um, she did one for me, and then um, Faith Aaron Hicks, who um, is really awesome and a big um, web comics artist, did one. So I got a pretty good start to my little themed sketchbook, and I'm pretty proud of it. It's like my new prized possession. <laughs> awesome. You got to show me that Riley Rossmo cat. I, I totally took pictures, so I'll send them to you. But like, nice. Portland was so crazy. Like, there's times when I think it's so beautiful and nice and normal. And then the next moment I'm sitting in my hotel room and a marching band just starts like wandering what? around the streets at like 10 o'clock at night. Randomly. Yeah. And like I thought I was like imagining it, but nope, there was a marching band outside my window and I got <laughs> I photos of it. And... Oh, well, see, now that you have proof. Otherwise I just said, yeah, that was a little too much Cabernet. <laughs> yeah. Well, I totally thought I imagined it until they came. Like I, I didn't get a picture the first time, but then they came back and I was like, ah. <laughs> They do exist. <laughs> so, yeah, Portland was, like, really great, and the show was so well-run. It was just 
really small and it was you didn't have to uh, wait in the aisles for people to pass by and it was just so chill and amazing I got to talk to so many people that I probably wouldn't have otherwise and it was really great awesome my my friend got this awesome mod rogue from Ming Doyle, and I'm so tempted to keep it. <laughs> so, so the temptation is vast. <laughs> so beautiful. It got lost. She already in knows shipping. that it exists, though. So I think oh. I'd be like, I'd have to disown my friend for good. Maybe when right. the TSA yeah, friends, went friends through your TSA went through your bag, that sketch got ruined. I know. Maybe <laughs> it's just like they they stole just it. like they your uh, Ariel, it. huh? Oh, oh, those bastards! What happened? Tell us. I bought like I one of those little Funko figures, like oh, those the Ariel. Are cool. Oh, oh, Little Mermaid Ariel. Yeah, oh. yeah. And the TSA like ravaged my bag, <laughs> and like didn't put anything back where they found it. And they put like the Little Mermaid on top of like all this stuff instead of where she was, and the box completely got smushed, and oh. she got roughed up. <laughs> oh, no. poor Ariel. Poor Little side story. I actually bought that for you for Christmas, and my stupid roommate gave it to his ex, so it never got to your house. Oh, no. Evil. It's funny. You know what's funny? I didn't get it at Christmas at the Silver Snail in Toronto because I was like, people shouldn't get gifts for themselves around Christmas time, so I didn't mm-hmm. get it. And then the Silver Snail was sold out, and eBay had them for like 80 bucks. Yikes. Whoa. And, and like I couldn't get one again, and I was so sad. And then I was at Tifa. There's the store in, or in Toronto, in Portland, uh, with like Bill for his signing, and they had them. Yay! So yeah, I tried to get out. it again, and it was sold out. I was so angry. You're not yeah. meant to have a well-conditioned aerial pop figure. <laughs> My now luggage Daenerys, got ruined as well. Now Daenerys Targaryen is not so lonely. <laughs> <gasps> you have that one? That one's awesome. Yeah, totally. Oh, you bastard. I want that so much. She is the mother, stand the mother up so of good, but does it come with Neither little dragons? Does, uh, yeah. It does come with little dragons. Oh! <laughs> Boo from uh, Monsters Inc. doesn't stand up that well either. Her legs or feet are so tiny. Mm-hmm. I had to get that little like gummy poster blue crap. Oh yeah, to yeah. put on the bottom of her feet so she'll stay yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. They're guarding my sketchbooks. <laughs> the Flash you got me stands up very well, <laughs> Steve. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, good. It's on top of the. On top of my awesome. DVDs. Now I'm um, in like Game of Thrones land. Yeah, we can't talk about it. But oh, last episode nope. was so good. It's been amazing. Dracones. I didn't even see the last season. Yeah, it's just so. a word. No spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. Um, that's awesome. So it sounds like you had a great time in Portland. Did. I did. It was really great. Awesome. Um, uh, oh. Before, sorry. Oh, go ahead, one more thing. One, yeah. more thing. one more thing. <laughs> and if anyone's ever in Portland... There's like the most magical breakfast place ever. Okay, so if you follow me on Twitter, you know that like the best thing in the whole wide world is breakfast. Mm-hmm. Pancakes and bacon and or bacon. Yeah. I and think she, place? Stephanie's ranked on clout for her mentoring breakfast foods. Yeah, I am. It's basically one of the things I'm most proud of. Um, this place was a hibachi pancake restaurant. What? What? Whoa. Whoa. Right? Yeah. Right? I'm all right. <laughs> it was basically the most ha- the happiest moment of my life. There was an editor from Boom, Dame Daphna, who came to breakfast with us, me- with me and Bill, and she was like, I seriously was dancing in my seat. I was like, this is the best day of my life. <laughs> and she was like, is she always like this? And Bill's like, she really loves breakfast food. <laughs> and like, I'm pretty sure she thinks I'm like even more nuts than she thought before. But like, I take my breakfast foods really seriously. <laughs> 
It's called Slappy Cakes. If you're ever in Brooklyn, I highly recommend it because it's basically the most magical place in the whole wide world. There's a theme from all of Stephanie's stories when she interacts with people, which is they think she's crazy. That's every single story you tell. I'm pretty sure they thought I was crazy. Well, to be fair, I'm pretty sure they do think I'm crazy. Yes. I'm pretty sure that we think you're crazy. So I'm pretty sure I might be crazy. Yeah. It's part of the charm. Yep, it's yeah. part of the charm. But I'm also sure the small business administration, when someone came to say, I want to open a restaurant called Slappy Cakes, said yeah. the same thing to them. Yeah, exactly. This guy's excited about it. it. Yeah, oh, see, it works. an hour and a half for this place to, like, the wait. It's oh, wow. ridiculous. Well, but it was so worth it. It better be. Yeah, for an hour and a half. Don't even care. So yeah. what did you have? Slappy cakes. Yeah, but I mean, what kind of slappy? Blueberry oh, slappy like, cakes? Or? Like sometimes they have like pumpkin batter and sometimes they have all these other things too. But mm. I just got like regular batter and then I got a bunch of like, I got like um, lemon curd and like blueberry and all that mm. stuff to put in my pancakes. And um, the girl Daphne with, who came with us got like mushrooms and green onions and like goat cheese to put Ooh. in her pancakes. Ooh. Interesting. So they have like these really cool combinations that you can get and, or you can just like pick your own things and it's... Like I said, it's pretty well the best thing ever. Nice. New York needs more cons, man. Yeah, it's true. They really do. (laughs) It's absurd. Um, Well, while Stephanie was in Stumptown, uh, C2E2 was going on over in Chicago, Mm -hmm. and we got some announcements uh, coming out of there. Uh, The first of which, now, last week on the show, uh, we did our top five uh, ongoing series, excluding a group of books we always talk about, and uh, Joey Bertino was on the show with us, and both Joey and Bob put X Factor on their list Mm -hmm. and we declared last week that X Factor would never be canceled because of its steady sales and the length that Peter David had been on the book. Forever. So I'm not only labeled a talking comics curse, probably not two days later, this announced, uh, Bleeding Cool, Rich Johnson kind of broke this news that, um, uh, that X Factor was being canceled uh, and they made it official uh, at C2E2 um, X Factor number 262 will be the final issue of the series that's in September or at, the, or at least the last issue with Peter David's involvement in the book the final arc is titled simply The End of X Factor uh, and we will see the return of artist Neil Edwards to the book alongside newcomer uh, Carmen Canaro uh, and will follow right directly off this Hell on Earth arc that's going on right now um uh, Peter, the, 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 a lot of meetings happened with Peter David over, over the weekend, and he said nothing to do with his recent stroke, uh, and that the series' conclusion was story-driven, adding that he has a new, as-yet-unannounced Marvel project coming soon. Um, it was basically decided that the Hell on, Hell on Earth War was as major a storyline as we were going to do. I'd been building toward it for so long that it simply seemed like a logical culmination of the entire series, so we decided to wrap it up. It's been going for 10 years, after all. Uh... Now, I think we're all pretty big fans uh, of X Factor mm-hmm. here. Bob, obviously, you've been reading it the longest. You've had the biggest connection. Uh, we obviously know Peter. He's been on the show before. Um, how did you take this news when you heard it? Not well. Yeah. <laughs> Not well at all. Got into an argument with somebody over it. So that's how upset I was. Uh, the funny thing is we were even talking last week about the numbering, putting mm-hmm. people off. Right. Uh, we even discussed, will this be Marvel now or whatever, mm-hmm. if, if that's a verb? Um, <laughs> Peter... Apparently, it was announced with levity. They even did a funny video with he and his daughter okay. about why it was being canceled mm-hmm. or whatever. And, you know, daddy is going to have to go get a real job or something. <laughs> um, even in the recap in last issue's book, it was well, Peter was talking to the editors, you know, scheming and mm-hmm. plotting mm-hmm. X Factor's future. Right. 
So, I mean, I'm hoping against hope that there will be a rebranded X Factor, mm. either with someone else doing it, or what I really hope for is some parts of this X Factor cast and Peter. Right. I'm not too hopeful for that because right. of something that's one of our other news stories that I think he is, pro- is probably going to end up attached to. Um, and from all that it seems that Peter is saying about this, stuff, it seems not to be thrust upon him. It seems very no. much like something that is, if not by his design, something that he is on board with. Um, and at least that is encouraging. He's getting an ending to this story. Like he says, he's been doing it for 10 years. And this seems like the year where a bunch of people doing really long runs are kind of ending their runs. We have John's obviously ending his Green Lantern run in May, Morrison ending his Batman run, uh, very soon as well. Um, I'm interested to see what he does next. You know, uh, if it, whether it's a re, if it's a Marvel now X factor restart at number one, or if it's something else that he, he he's uh, going off to do, mm-hmm. uh, we'll have to see. But, um, you know, I'm sad because I'm just initially getting into it. The only thing I'm happy about is if it stops, I'll have time to catch up and there won't be new you issues coming out. To, yeah, to, to check on. Yeah. To, uh, to a month for, you know, it's hard to catch, yeah. go back when you have two a month coming out. Yeah, and they say he's going to finish off with personal stories, yeah. which are his strong suit. Right. So that's what he said. He said, this is this kind of the big action storyline they're doing the Hell on Earth War and then it's going to end with some more personal stories. Uh, Stephanie, I know you're a big fan of X Factor. Uh, were you sad to hear this news? Yeah, I really only kind of, I mean, I've been kind of all over the place for the past couple of weeks so I'm a little behind on my news and I didn't hear about this until you guys kind of were like, we're going to talk about this this week and I was like, what? <laughs> and so I'm, I'm definitely a little disappointed. Um, I mean, I'm happy to have um, discovered it before it's kind of coming to an end because I think a lot of people will kind of hop on board and try and figure it out, you know, be like, oh, what's going on? Right. And ride it out till the end. But, I mean, it's sad that I've just come into a comic that is dying. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. It's like one of those comics that, despite having the X before it and in some way makes me a little bit annoyed um, is just such a great superhero team comic mm-hmm. that takes characters that weren't being used anywhere else and put them, gave them a home here mm-hmm. and gave them like this very band of misfit toys kind of vibe. Right. And I'm going to really miss that. And I hope if they do add it to the Marvel now lineup, that somebody does it justice and keeps um, the brand of X Factor alive and well in my books. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Stevie, anything you want to add to the, our X Factor discussion? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I'm not as I don't find myself being as as passionate as the three of you, but I do enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. But I'm content in the idea that I have so much of it that I've never explored, that I have 10 years right. worth of something mm-hmm. that I could go back to, that there's plenty for me to be entertained until they figure out what they're going to do with the property. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it would be cool if they kind of reintroduced it, but at what cost? Like, mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of approach they would, if they tried to make it like more hip, if they tried to like go with bigger flash, would it kind of take away Mm-hmm. from uh the book uh it's funny because i don't i have no attachments to any of the characters that are in the story still even mm-hmm. after reading it for maybe over 10 issues or so mm-hmm. um i have no attachments to them whatsoever 
but I do very, very much enjoy their chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I like them. I like them a mm-hmm. lot. It's a fun story. It's fun to read along. And it's very uh, – it, it involves the reader a lot. It pulls you really close to, to what's going on. And there's just there's so much happening within this, this hell on earth uh, feud that they're having. But um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to kind of just chill on it and just enjoy the fact that I even know about it before I have to, you know, be disappointed. So right. I'll go back and I'll go and check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's been its own little quirky corner, which has mm. been nice. You know, they have their own little event, which is doing yeah. very nicely with. Uh, I would hate to see those characters folded into dark books mm. or the ultraviolet or well, that's the what rest I'm of like it. It's, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, it's a. Uh, I don't want to call it a clusterfuck, but it's, you know, there's a lot going on with it. It's a big group of people. There's, they're going up against a big group of people. Mm-hmm. and um, But it all flows very nicely. It's mm-hmm. not overwhelming at all. Yeah. Uh, the question is, too, is, you know, th- I think the book's sales have much more to do with the uh, the kind of Peter David of it all than it has to do with the title. So if if, I mean, all the books that got Marvel now sold pretty well when they debuted, mm-hmm. but how well a book could keep up called X Factor without Peter David writing it, unless you're putting another kind of fan favorite big name yeah, writer on yeah. it, you know, how long it could survive uh, on its own with these characters, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in its stead. Yeah, let, let, let's even say, could there be a backlash? Yeah, no, there could, absolutely. It, and there's no Peter, it turns yeah. into, well, I'm not reading that because it's not Peter David anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, we'll see what happens, um, you know, yeah. and, and what goes on uh, with Peter and with X Factor and see what happens. You know, uh, again, last week, Joey Bertino was talking about Winter Soldier and how it would have been on his list, but they had canceled it. There are a lot of rumblings that that book is going to be Marvel Nowed as well and come back. Um, Needs Ed Brubaker. <laughs> with with, with yeah, inklings yeah. Of, of Brubaker's name kind of being whispered oh. about. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Uh, what happens? I mean, there's a lot of love for the Latour Klein stuff that's been happening. I know Joey is in love with it, and you hear a lot of I've seen a lot of reactions on Twitter saying how much they like it. So we'll see what happens uh, with those books. But keeping kind of on the Peter David train, um, uh, Dan Slott had a, like a video message to the panel at C2E2, and he announced that as in Superior Spider-Man number 17, which is September again, there will be a very special guest star. Um, Spider-Man 2099. Uh, Slot say that the clues for this appearance were laid from the start of his big-time run on Amazing Spider-Man. Said it started in November of 2011. Obviously, Spider-Man 2099 created by Peter David. Uh, Steve, you're a big fan of Superior Spider-Man. Yes. Are you excited about the inclusion of Miguel O'Hara, right? That's yeah. his name? Yes, in Superior Spider-Man. I, 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 I'm excited anything Superior Spider-Man. Right. It's one of my favorite um, stories going on right now. I wish that I knew more about Spider-Man 2099. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe I have a whole bunch of them. I've just never sat down with them because I never knew I never knew what to expect. Right. And I mean, if anything, that should prompt you even more so right. to go and check it out. <laughs> um, but these were gifted to me, and I had just recently gone through uh, several tubs worth of comics. And I think I found probably one through 30 mm-hmm. all in like perfect condition intact. Right. And uh, I made piles recently of everything. And that is on the to read list. Uh, I'm very excited though. There's a lot of stuff going on with Superior Spider-Man. It seems like, you know, even though people were thinking that they were going to be wrapping things up quickly, it doesn't look like it's going to be like that at all. No, it does not. <laughs> yeah. If anything, it keeps getting bigger. Yeah. And this is what I've, kept hinting to people mm-hmm. about that it's, you know, it's going to places that people didn't expect it to go and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, Spider-Man 2099, 
obviously created in the 90s by Peter David. Mm-hmm. Is it a character you like, Bob? Are you excited to see this character back uh, in the, the Marvel 2099 Universe? The characters were entertaining yeah. across the board. They had a Doom 2099 mm-hmm. that was actually Victor. Right. Know, I got through. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an interesting attempt across the board, and bringing them into the mainstream universe again is just a great idea. Again, Marvel loves their history. Yeah. You know, DC has jettisoned it how many times already. Mm-hmm. These characters... At Marvel, their history happened to them. Mm. They've been fudged because it can't be World War II anymore for the Fantastic Four or whatever, but that they're there and it exists and we can keep pulling bits from that past or future and creating new books. Gardens of the Galaxy, out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. is a big book again. So good. Yeah. Uh, Do you think that possibly a a 2099 ongoing is what Peter is hinting at for the big Marvel project? I think absolutely. Interesting. Okay. Um, Stephanie, do you have any familiarity with Spider-Man 2099? No, I'm... That's another... Like, the Spider-Man world, I'm just kind of way behind on, so... Right. I'm I'm atten- intending to catch up, but mm-hmm. at this current time, I have no comment. <laughs> uh, Slot also uh, teased a Venom storyline coming down the line in Superior Spider-Man as well. So we'll, we'll be seeing that uh, pretty soon. Uh, in sort of somber news... Uh, AOL has shuttered uh, Comics Alliance, uh, the comic book news site and blog. Um, They shuttered a bunch of their stuff this weekend, kind of out of nowhere. AOL AOL music music is gone gone as well. Uh, People were shocked that AOL, I think, existed. They were gone, yeah. Um, It's sad, you know, there's not a lot to say about it, but it it is sad because Comics Alliance, you know, they're a site that when I'm researching news and stuff for this show and in in the past two years, you know, looking at stuff, they're a site that, you know, routinely comes up when I'm searching, and their stuff is always very well written. Always has a good sense of humor about it, um, and it's you know it's sad that you know some of these people would be out of jobs, but I'm sure that they will land on their feet. Very talented people with a very good history mm-hmm. uh, in in the business. Um, uh, but back on to we'll, we'll stick with the comic book stuff, and then we'll move. To, there's a couple of movie things that I, I, we I want to bring up. Um, also at C2E2, uh, there was revealed that Paul, Paul Cornell is doing a storyline in Wolverine called Wolverine Killable. Uh, and then the internet exploded uh, <laughs> uh, with hate mail for for Mr. Cornell. Um, something's going to happen in the in issue seven, which he wouldn't say because he doesn't want to spoil anything that happens in the book. But th- this it's going to be you know kind of Wolverine uh, with a either completely gone or compromised healing factor, and a lot of his big villains like Sabretooth uh, coming at him. Uh, so Bob, you actually well, mentioned when we, when we read the first issue of Wolverine, which we mm-hmm. enjoyed, um, that he seemed to be a little bit too invincible. So what do you think yeah, of this? I think over the years, his healing factor has turned into a Looney Tunes factor. <laughs> where, uh, no, I mean, seriously. You, you, bum, bum. No, at one point, he, you know, he, they cut him in half and he, and he grew back together. It's, it's ridiculous. It used to be he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And the more he got hurt, remember the first movie, he laid in a coma for yeah. months or whatever. Yeah. That's, he heals. Yeah. It's not indestructible. Mm. A second later, you can blow all the flesh off his bones and it grows back. Right. Um, so I think this is a neat idea. And I think he's teased that based on that first issue where yeah. he just gets shot in the face 15 times in a row yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the first three pages. Yeah. I think it's a, a really neat idea. And the fact that everyone got bent out of shape, they just don't have enough history to know it's changed to where we've gotten to. Paul Cornell was funny on Twitter. He was he was actually excited. He's like, I'm so excited that all these people have all this negative stuff to say because I've never done a book that was big enough for this many people to care about what I'm doing in it. So it's pretty cool. Um, Steve, what do you think about this? Putting Wolverine in danger. 
kind of wondering what he smells like after all that hair gets burned <laughs> off of him. Ooh. Um, interesting thing. What do I think of it? I think I think it's cool. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. It's something that I have. Have we ever seen it? Or not? I've never seen it. All right. Well, I've never seen yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, why not? With all the all the Wolverine books that are now hitting the stands, I mean. Why not have a an area of Wolverine where you could kill the guy? Mm-hmm. I'd like to see that. Yeah. I'd like to see what kind of um like rogues gallery they throw against him mm-hmm. for that and how long he'll last if they'll actually kill him. Right. I mean he's killable. Doesn't yeah. say that he'll be yeah. killed. Yeah, exactly. Um it just might mean that he's really vulnerable and yeah. can't, you know, glue himself back together again. Yeah. I mean there is a rumor, there's been a rumor floating around for that what Marvel's was thinking about doing a storyline where Wolverine bites it. Uh, Stephanie, I, uh, uh, what do you think of this idea for a story? And what would you think if they actually killed off the character for however long they would do that for? Well, we all know that Wolverine is like one of the breadwinners for yes. Marvel. So, I mean, killing him is not an option. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, if he died, he'd be dead for like, what, three months? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. Maybe? Or they would just be like, well, this is in continuity. <laughs> right. So he's not really dead. This is just like an alternate Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, right off the bat, it's kind of bullshit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think you guys all know by now that I'm really sick of the same characters just being used over and over and over again for new books. So mm-hmm. even though it's a cool concept and I really like Paul Cornell, I am not thrilled with the idea of this. Have it's you just, read any of the Wolverine book? Um, the new the, the the Wolverine, the one that Paul Paul Cornell is writing. I don't recall. I know I'm reading one of the Wolverine books. Well, there's like ten you of know them. What? <laughs> I know, I know. That's the thing right now. But it's been like a really long time. This one has a read... gnarly ray gun in it. <laughs> no, I don't think I have that. Okay. But I mean, it just doesn't. Then I it just doesn't excite me. It does not excite you. All right. Uh, good enough. Um, uh, to some uh, some movie uh, stuff. Uh, Joss Whedon uh, this past weekend uh, ran his mouth a lot about uh, 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 Avengers two. Uh, one of the things he talked about he talked about Thanos specifically. He said, "Well, Thanos is more powerful. He is so powerful. He is not someone you can just try out and punch him like he did in the comics. You want him to threading through the universe and to save the big finale for the big finally." He is definitely a part of what I have got going on. Think about the Avengers that they're very powerful, but not very stable. So there'll definitely be some people that will shake them up in the next installment. And a lot of people took this as like him saying Thanos would not be in the Avengers too. And I think that's taking a big leap, you know, um, in, in, in logic there. Uh, the other thing he did say though, which kind of ties into this is they asked him about Avengers two. And, uh, he said, um, I've got these two characters, two of my favorite characters from the comic book, a brother-sister act. They're in the movie. Yes. Uh, so this, uh, you know, immediately the blew, blew up, you know, the internet, uh, immediately pointing to Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, where obviously brother and sister uh, mutants who are the, the, the offspring of Magneto uh, are in a very interesting situation you know, legally because the characters are owned, the rights to use the characters are owned by both by Fox and by Marvel. Fox cannot, you know, um, mention their Avengers ties or any of those stories. Uh, and Marvel cannot mention the fact, uh, that they're the offspring of Magneto. And I don't even think they can use the word mutant, uh, for them in, 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 in their movie universe. Um, 
just really those are the, the obvious ones that we're thinking here. Um, our one of our news writers, M. Morse, pointed out that there's another brother or sister team, not as well known in the Marvel universe, that has been a big discussion in as far as rumors about Marvel movies, and that's the Black Panther and his sister, who is now the king of, of the queen of Wakanda. Um, so, so Bob, what do you think about this? How old is Josh Whedon? He's probably in his mid forties. I Good. think so. It's Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch. <laughs> trust me, um, they are part of Avengers history in a very special way. I mean, they were reluctantly evil mutants. Mm-hmm. You know, Magneto saved them, and we didn't find out their lineage for many, many years. Mm-hmm. They're the first replacement Avengers after Captain America took off uh, for when the Hulk left. Mm. Uh, Thor and Iron Man, Giant Man and the Wasp, they want out. Mm-hmm. They have stuff to do. Matter of fact, Thor leaves to do some of what's in the movie that's coming up. Okay. You know, Jane Foster mm-hmm. into Asgard and all the rest of it. And they enlist three villains turned heroes, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Quicksilver, and the Scarlet Witch. And they were referred to by all us goofy Marvel fans back then as Cap's Kooky Quartet. <laughs> They had no powers, really, to speak of. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Scarlet Witch was not the Scarlet Witch, you know. She had a right. hex power. Right. You know, she'd gesture and people would trip and fall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she was like Jubilee, but slightly more, you know, hurtful. Yeah, that's <laughs> real, that's a very good way to put it. She, you know, <laughs> people's guns would misfire and stuff right. like that. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, their first uh, assignment, basically, as Iron Man leaves is, go find the Hulk, you're going to need him. Mm-hmm. And so they go off on that, but they meet Dr. Doom and everyone else. And eventually the other ones all start to come back. But there was a great dynamic between these characters. Every, you know, Hawkeye resented Captain America. He's too old and I should be in charge. And Pietro hated him too. And (laughs) it was the usual Stan, Sturm and Drang. And it really worked well. And they became all great Avengers out of this. I think it's just a brilliant leap if he can make this happen. It's Mm -hmm. just perfect nod to the old history. And it's new characters to so many other people, and it leads to so many other places. They've had fake origins we could go with. Mm. You know, they were the children of Miss America and the Wizard. Okay, they could probably do that. Yeah, they do the Wizard though. Isn't the Wizard Fantastic Four? No. Oh, okay. No, they're, he's from the 1940s. Okay. He his name was Bob Frank. He got powers when his scientist father like uh, injected him with mongoose blood or something. Of course, <laughs> as you do. Science, you know, right? Science <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Miss America was a great character in the 40s, and she got some device and got hit by lightning or whatever, and mm-hmm. she could fly. And yeah, she's do- back now in Young Avengers. She's awesome in that book. Is it? Is, it's not Madeline Frank. No, no, no. no it's like an alternate universe. Yeah, but yeah. they were in an Avengers annual. They turned up with another child of mm-hmm. some mutant, mm-hmm. giant nuclear mutant, and so on <laughs> and so forth. And then it turned out that wasn't the case. They had adopted... Gotcha. Wanda and Pietro. So this is this gets complicated. Yeah. So we, we could give them whatever orange we want. We can mention Magneto. They can't mention down. Magneto. Yeah, they can't mention you, him. You show him in the corner with a purple helmet or something. Uh, Stephanie, are, are, are you excited? Not only, I mean, you're going to get magic with, with Scarlet Witch. You get a speedster and Quicksilver. And another, obviously, strong female character. Are you excited about these characters being in the Avengers, too? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally excited. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, if it wound up being... Black Panther and his sister, that'd be cool too. But this is even better. (laughs) I mean, I really like the Scarlet Witch. I honestly don't think I've read that many comics with her, truthfully. Mm -hmm. But she's always been a really cool character. I like her look. I like her awesomeness. And I, you know, she has some shit that goes on later in life. And hopefully they do a simpler Wanda. (laughs) But 
Um, I mean, I would be totally down with this. Mm. Steve, what about you? You know I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> um, I fell in love with Wanda reading the Children's Crusade. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, positively loved her in that book. And I've been really enjoying her in Uncanny Avengers. Yeah. yeah. Um, she's one of those characters that has been cast out, redeemed, cast out again. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain people trust her. Other people don't. And she's very complicated yeah. in that way. But she carries it really, really well. And she kind of does what I do where I, I try to be polite and I try to be nice and I, I try to like you know just go with the flow and, and make sure everything's copacetic but then if you if you step out of line or you mm-hmm. challenge her to the point where something needs to be said she says something right and not to mention that she's one of the most powerful mutants ever created or ever born mm-hmm. yeah uh, so to have that power level versus Thanos or, or whoever mm-hmm. yeah. whoever it would be that I, I just think it's a, I, if it does end up being them, I think it's a smart move. I would absolutely love if uh, Black Panther or the mm. Panthers would right, yeah. be. Uh, I think either either combination is a really great choice. I can't mm. any I can't imagine anybody else that it would be. Yeah, no, I don't know, no, and um, it hasn't come out anywhere else. There's no nobody has any ideas. Well, the yeah. the only reason why I'm hesitant is because I remember hearing rumblings of the Black Panther months ago. Yeah, no, yeah. So you know, everybody immediately jumps onto one thing. Either one is great, mm. but um, I, I kind of want an official word before I start getting like daydreams. Yeah, they Just both with a cosmic storyline. Yeah, I think you have upping the power level is going to be important. Yeah, yeah, but what if you introduced Wakanda into the the Hollywood well, they Marvel already, universe? They already have. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. In when? Iron Man two, two. Yeah, there's on, on the, map. the screen. Yeah. when he's talking to Nick Fury at the end, there's yeah. a big star in the map in the middle of Africa. It says Wakanda. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, and I'll show the, you that scene. The, yeah. <laughs> the Captain America shield is made of vibranium, which is obviously the, the Wakandan metal. See, um, they've been laying the, yeah. the, the, yeah. the seeds for a while. And there's been rumors that Black Panther is going to get his own movie at a certain point. Um, but just having two of them in a movie seems redundant. Maybe. You know, I, I, I think either one opens up the universe in interesting ways. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, I want to see the Panther. Yeah. Just not two of them at once. Yeah. Uh, the, what would be funny to me, uh, and you guys have said everything that needs to be said about these characters, uh, what would be funny to me, if it, is, if it is the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, Marvel will have put Quicksilver in a movie before DC could make a Flash movie. Wow. Which is ridiculous. Thought of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, one last thing uh, uh, I want to talk about, which is David Goyer was did a Reddit Ask Me Anything. Obviously, he's screenwriter uh, on all the Chris, co-screenwriter on all the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Mm-hmm. He he wrote Man of Steel as well. Um, Blade going back. Blade yep. going back. Yeah, uh, responsible for you know one of the the uh, the, the, the proto comic book movies in, in a lot of ways. Uh, they asked me about Wonder Woman, and he basically said that Wonder Woman was a tough nut to crack cinematically. She's like, Superman is harder than Batman, and Wonder Woman is harder than Su- Superman. He's like, it's prevailing wisdom in Hollywood. And he's make sure to say it's not what he believes, mm-hmm. that doing a movie with a female lead, it, it, make money is very difficult. Uh, and he hopes that it changes in, in the next yeah. few years. Uh, Steve, what do you think about this quote? And do you think he's right that Wonder Woman is a hard character to do cinematically? I think, unfortunately, yes. Okay. Um, we've seen it. Well, actually, no, we really haven't seen it because nobody really takes the leap. Yeah, no. Um, sure, the pilot we watched. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I keep, for some reason, I still haven't seen it. I own it, but I haven't watched it. I keep thinking of that movie Haywire. 
mm-hmm. with uh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano, yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody had mentioned her for a possibility mm-hmm. for Wonder Woman at one point. Yeah, and she'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. So uh, I think it is very difficult. I, I think that that's a shame, but I mean that that goes into a whole other level yeah. of conversation that we're probably not going to have. But mm. I would love to see a Wonder Woman film. I mm. think it would be great if it was written by somebody like Goyer or mm. if it was written by somebody that has the, the caliber and the level of detail that mm. he does. Yeah. Um, and I just I think it would be great if they – paid attention to her her heritage and to the to the greek stuff and mm. perhaps fleshed it out a lot more not so much bringing her into the modern day and trying to you know fish out of water wonder woman from you know the island gets to new york or wherever and mm. you know it's it's uh, her learning how to be in our world I don't want to see that. Well, you're going to have to. They're going to do it. I yeah, wa- I know, yeah, but, but see, I want to see that. <laughs> I That's wanna, Wonder you know, Woman's I origin. Wanna I want to see that done the right but I wanted, way. But I want it interspersed with other things. I want to see her origin. I want to see the island. Mm-hmm. I want to. There are things of that that I really want to see. It would be awesome if Medusa were a villain for her film. Right. You know, I don't know if they would ever do that. Mm. But how awesome would it be if there was, I don't know, maybe some kind of like a mirror, like Pandora's mirror or some mm-hmm. shit. And they, you know, she crosses over into our world and starts like turning entire cities, city blocks into stone. Mm-hmm. Crap like that. I mean, that, that would be awesome. Yeah. I'll write it. <laughs> I just think that like, I mean, it's not that hard to do a good Wonder Woman movie. It's just that there are people not willing to take the risk. Right. Um. It's really not a difficult project. The animated one was fantastic. It was. It absolutely was, yeah. You know, like, you want to steal that story for a movie? I don't have a problem for it with Mm -hmm. that at Mm -hmm. all. Yeah. If you want to make that story and just flesh it out a bit more, Mm -hmm. done. Yeah. Screenplay, done. (laughs) Now all you need is someone who is, like, willing to risk it and be, like, to deal with the criticisms and just stand behind the movie and make good casting choices and you're done. Yeah. yeah. The animated like, film was epic. Mm-hmm. In, it was so yeah. good. Yeah. The thing is, it's I totally, 100% disagree with that quote. It's not hard to make. It's hard to find people who will stand up for her. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. If you're gonna, yeah, I Mike think what people Fox. want to do is pick, <laughs> you know, pick nits at. Oh, well, you can't do this and you can't do that and yeah. you can't have the Amazons. And yes, you can. Mm-hmm. If we can do really terrible Clash of the Titans movies, why can't we have yeah. Paradise Island <laughs> yeah. and done properly? Mm-hmm. Uh, a story of her mother being unable to have a child, creating one out of you know immortal clay. Yeah, right. Wow, mm-hmm. the, the sense of loss and, and meaning for that. Mm-hmm. That someone wanted to, that will resonate across every age group of audience. It's just a great old fashioned right. story. I mean, look if you can do the what we were going to see in a, in a in a month or so how they pull off the Man of Steel uh, origin and stuff. But if you can do Superman's origin, you can do Wonder Woman's origin. Mm-hmm. They're not any more ridiculous than the other one. They're mm-hmm. just different. You know, they they just, they just pulled from different huge mythical themes. You know. Um, I, I think just like they've talked a lot about the Men of Steel, finding the, the core of the character, um, you know, and and I think you do the same thing for her. You know, her core is this love that she has, like this undying love for everything and mm-hmm. everyone. And I, I think if you can you, you take it to that place and, and you expand it, I think you can find it. No, like none of us are screenwriters. Uh David Goyer is a very successful screenwriter. Um, you know, and I, I think he was very measured in in the things that, that he said. 
Uh, I don't think that he was offensive in any way, and I think that I, I would. He's the kind of person who I think could do it, you know. And I think that if Superman hits and they start to push towards this bigger universe, uh, she absolutely will be there because she can't not be. She's the next yeah. one down the line, you know. Um, I do think he's right that it's studios. Yeah. And that they're resistant. We can see with other movies. Yeah. Female leads are not something they're as yeah. interested in as they should be. Right. I mean, and again, th- th- that that it's it seems also that they. They have that conventional wisdom, but the, and then they take the ones that do make money as like, oh, it's 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 a special case. Like the Hunger Games made a yeah. ass load of money, and it's all about her. It's all mm-hmm. about her. And you know, th- the property of Wonder Woman is just as big uh, as that. Probably maybe not in that same zeitgeist right now, but in a, in, in, in a broad history, sense, was, yeah. yeah. Um, please, my mother would be in Wonder Woman movie opening weekend. You, you know what I mean? And. I, I think it won't matter as long as it's done right. And I, I think we're going to see it. Uh, I just think it's a, it's a matter of time now. I, I Personally, I, I, you know, we obviously have enjoyed these Marvel movies more, but I want to see them get there before Marvel does. I want, like, I, I, the fact that there isn't even an inkling that they're going to cancel the Captain Marvel book over at Marvel Comics yeah. says to me that they have a Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel movie in the pipe yeah. somewhere. And that's been rumored for a very long time now, you know, and I, and they'll do it and they'll probably do it great. But I would want, I want to see one Roman do it first. Cause I, that's the proto character. I don't want to, I don't want them to seem behind, you know, when they were so far ahead initially. Right. We may see two, maybe even three Avengers movies before there's a justice league. Movie. Right. And you know, that's fine. Like, you know, I want to see Justice league. We don't get me wrong, but I really want to see this one Roman movie. I want to see them do something different. You know, and, and I do want to. I want to see the mix. I want to see the, the fish out of water, but I also want to see. I wanted to give him the, a, almost like the Donner Superman. I want to give it a big ass origin with with the gods and Thymascara and all this other stuff. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about. Um, and <laughs> yeah. then take her to you know New York or wherever she ends up. Uh, What's the two parts of her origin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I want to yeah. see both of them. I want to see some Steve Trevor. I want to, you know, yeah. I, I want I want some awesomeness in there, and I want I want to see him do it. I want to see him do it right because I I would love to see. Her in, in in a film is that television show still happening? It's it's a possibility. I mean, the or like the Smallville-ish yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's on the board, but it's it's done by um, Alan Heinberg is the is the showrunner on it who did a run on Wonder Woman. Obviously, uh, did some Young Avengers work. We talked. Uh, no, Young Avengers. Um, Young Avengers. Yes, the the original run of Young Avengers yeah. and Children's Crusade. Yay! Uh, so <clears throat> that's it uh, for our news uh, uh, for this week. Uh, let's move on to our books of the week. Uh, Stephanie, you said you had some really awesome stuff for us. Why don't you start out? All right, gang. Well, <laughs> Gather <right>. round. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of the things that I'm going to talk about are things that I picked up at Stumptown. Um, as I mentioned, I may have went a little bit crazy on spending money. Good for you. So, you know, whoopsies. <laughs> but um, first things first, my favorite thing that I think I bought um was a copy of the digital comic by Faith Erin Hicks, who I mentioned did a little cat sketch for me. Um, and her comic is called The Adventures of Superhero Girl. <laughs> so it's published, the like collected version is published by um, Dark Horse Comics. And basically this is the story of a girl and she's trying to be a superhero in a small town. And basically, you know, her brother is her unintended arch nemesis he's a superhero and he's just like everyone loves him and she's constantly living in his shadow and she can understand why in this small town of hers she can't fight anything but ninjas (laughs) um she like wants a proper arch nemesis and 
she just like wants all these things to happen to her and she's kind of, you know, trying to find a way to make this happen. And she's also dealing with the perils of having no money and, you know, she has this roommate who knows her secret identity and knows that she doesn't have like a real job outside of full-time superheroing. <laughs> and um, it's great. It's just such a fun comic. She's like always forgetting to take off her mask. And then, you know, she'll show up at like job interviews and be like, oh, no, super, secret identity compromised. <laughs> and um, there's just all these like super great moments. And you can see that it's laid out page by page where like she published um, a comic like week by week on the website. And uh, I'm not entirely sure if they ever tell you her name outside of Superhero Girl. I'm not sure. But like she's just so great. She has like the same powers as Superman, basically. Um and she can like leap over tall buildings and she can uh, lift really heavy things and blah, 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 blah. It's, it's so great. It's full of like the most ridiculous moments, you know, like the space thing crashes down and it looks like a asteroid, but then out of the asteroid crawls this like tentacled beast. But then like you see its face and it looks like a cat and she's like, ma, this is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> and then it starts like throwing fireballs at you. And she's like, you're the worst. <laughs> And, uh, you know, she has, like, it's just, like, this really fun take on a superhero and behind the scenes of a superhero. Like, she has sick days, and she makes her roommate go out and, like, patrol the streets for her. She just, like, makes her wear the costume and be like, don't worry. It's mostly just ninjas, and you just, like, walk up to them, and they're like, I'll go to jail. And, you know, she's like, it's really straightforward, so just go out and patrol. And her, like, roommate comes across, like, a monocled grizzly bear. He just has like a monocle on and he's really angry. Hmm. And her like roommate, you know, has to like figure out how to deal with this monocled grizzly bear. You hit him in the other eye. Well, he doesn't have an eye patch. I mean, he's not missing the eye. He just, you know, <laughs> he's just really posh. He's the Monopoly bear. <laughs> yeah. But oh, it's so great. It's so great. It's the funniest. Like she winds up, you know. I don't want to spoil it, but there's just like these great little moments. It's well written. It's awesome to look at. It's pretty. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I rambled on for a really long time. I think I need to take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's by Faith Aaron Hicks. Again, Adventures of Superhero Girl. It's yeah. lovely. And in print now from? Dark Horse. Dark Horse. Yeah, I think it, I'm thinking it's fairly new. I mean, um, I know I have a digital copy of it from like a reviews, mm -hmm. so it can't be too old, but yeah, it's completely worth buying, checking out. It'll make you laugh out loud. I was reading in Starbucks a bit yesterday and people were looking at me funny and I was just kind of like, don't judge me. <laughs> you would be laughing too. There's a monocled grizzly bear. <laughs> like it's, it's awesome. They all thought you were crazy. I know, the theme of the day. Another story where everyone thought Stephanie was crazy. <laughs> it's true. Basically, I should just wear like a note strapped to my shirt that says, you will think I'm crazy. <laughs> um, so if you don't mind, I'm going to talk about a couple other things sure. really quickly. Oh, I mind. Oh, well, fine you're then, Bobby. Done. It's not like at least you didn't forget me this time. No, I didn't. That's why, that's why you went first, so I, I wouldn't forget <laughs> you. But, um, another one I want to talk about from Stumptown is this... Um, it's kind of, if you've ever picked up, um, like, a little sketchbook from an artist, it's usually just uh, 
a folded up bunch of papers stapled together kind of thing for like really small artists. Does that make yes, any sense? Yes, that makes sense. A little booklet. Yes. Um, but anyways, this artist named Benjamin Dewey put together something like this, and I thought it was a sketchbook. And I was familiar with his art because he had a piece in um, Emerald City Comic Con's Monsters and Dames book. Um, and I do believe it was Kelly Sue DeConnick who was like, you should find this guy. He's so great. <laughs> and I wasn't able to find him. He was just kind of hidden away. And... Um, you know, I was like, oh, that's such a bummer. But I ran into him at Stumptown. So I was like, oh, this is who you, Kelly Sue was telling me about. And I picked up the book, which is called um, Lady Excelsior Presents the Best of Tragedy Series. Um, and basically, it's just a series of tragedies. They're like one panel um, stories that tell of a tragic circumstance. Like the very first one in this page is, Tragedy number 277. The thing under the bed has started inviting friends over. <laughs> and, like, the thing under the bed, there's, like, little monster hands, and they're playing checkers under this girl's bed. <laughs> and she can see them playing checkers, and they have little cups of tea. And it's just, like, the next one's, like, Tragedy 290. Art student vampire unable to complete self-portrait assignment. And, like, there's a vampire looking all sad because he can't look at himself in the mirror. <laughs> and they're just, like so silly and so 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 awesome i i i'll probably try i'll try and post a couple of them maybe but you know tragedy 318 he put too much faith in his lucky charm and there's a guy holding like a four-leaf clover that's surrounded by like snarling wolves (laughs) (laughs) and it just goes on there's you know just yeah all these amazing original things and you wouldn't You'd be like, why is that funny? And yet it is. (laughs) So you can find, you don't even have to buy it in print, but I mean, if you want to help support the artist, uh, you can find them probably at one of the next comic cons or um, the tragedy series is available online at tragedyseries.tumblr.com. And tragedy series is all one word. So that was another thing that I read. And then I know. Three things, guys. It's crazy. What? Yeah, it's crazy. What? The show's going to shut down again. <laughs> I know. It's going to be like, this thing from Canada, this crazy person from Canada will not shut up. <laughs> Anyways, so my third thing is action cats. <laughs> cats guys. So, um, oh, wow. Okay, hang on. Bear with me for a second. I'm going to talk about it while I find the artist. But it's um, a comic from Monkey Brain. And it's like a one-off comic. Um, And, again, cats. Action cats. Cats of um, action. Not laser cats, but action cats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never got a chance to read um, Dan Santat's sidekicks. I looked for it for ages and could never find it. But I suspect that it's similar to that. Um, The writers are Adam P. Nave and Lauren Vogelbaum. And the artist is uh, Eamon Doherty. But... Basically, it follows, this is like the little thing that's on the inside. Meet Jetpack Cat, Aqua Cat, Roller Skate Cat, and Karate Cat. The astounding action cats. When action calls, they answer. Unless it's nap time, or there's a sunbeam, or a particularly active butterfly to catch. No, don't worry. We made it. The action cats will save the day. Dedicated to Stephanie Cook. (laughs) (laughs) Right? How could I not love this book, guys? 
<laughs> but basically, it's just like the story is about, you know, they go through, the, they kind of introduce the characters, and it's these really clever little ways where it's like, who's going to save us? They will. And, you know, after like the fourth introduction, they're like, poison gas in Habsburg? Today is really not awesome for a lot of people. <laughs> and it, it's so great. They show that superhero sides of the cats, and then we kind of meet their owner and how they get away with, you know, disappearing to fight crime. And you you kind of get to see these, like, really exaggerated ways of how they kick ass. And then you meet their home life. And then you kind of see what they really do. You know, there's, like, this giant robot attacking. And they're like, all right, sit on him. Sit on him harder. <laughs> like, you just nap on him. He will give up. And um, And that works? I- well, you have to read to find out, Bob. Oh, okay. okay. I could have spoiled nap time. <laughs> it's basically the greatest. So, you know, stuff. Read that. Action cats. No, seriously. I know I've made it sound like completely ridiculous, and it, it might have sound like I'm drunk, and I had a glass of wine. So, you know, full disclosure. But I swear to God, it's the greatest thing ever. I was on the plane coming back from Stumptown, and I was reading it, and, like, Bill was sitting beside me, and I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. He was like, oh, boy. (laughs) And he read it, though, too, and he was like, I'm laughing, and I'm laughing because I know why you enjoy this. (laughs) Like, it's basically the best. And, okay, I promise I won't go on much longer, but there's one more, one more, really quick, I promise. Okay, go ahead. And um, another one from Monkey Brain. I've been catching up on my Monkey Brain comics. Um... It's called High Crimes by Christopher Sabella, 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 mm-hmm. and Ibrahim Mustafa. Mustafa. And it's so good. It's mm, how good was it? What is it about? Good. Hey, hang on, I got to cough a little bit. She's got a hairball. I do. <laughs> An oh yeah, that was totally ball. why I wanted to say action cats so I could like meow a bit. I not really, but anyways. <laughs> so basically, um story takes place in nepal and there's uh, a girl who is like a former i think she's a skier or a snowboarder that gets disgraced during the olympic games and is kind of just trying to run away from her past and she's um a guide for uh like she's a mountain guide so she takes people up like high peaks like everest and things like that although i don't think everest yet i think we're working up to that but anyways her one of the people she works with goes up Everest and he collects um, the bodies of people's loved ones, Ooh. and he um, basically charges for families to get them back. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah they so, die on the way up and they're, yeah. they're left behind. Yeah, like yeah. it's he's not really doing something illegal, and yet it's kind of frowned upon at the same time, like charging for people's bodies. Um, but anyways, it's just this interesting story that um, between the girl and the guy and their dynamic and they kind of leave off, they leave you with um, a bit of a cliffhanger, you know, mountains, a mountain cliffhanger. Oh boy, We oh, got God. it. We got it. Trust us. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, it's just like really well done. The art is fantastic. Um, it kind of like, not in terms of the story, but kind of the look. Uh, is a bit uh, like Mike Norton's look for revival. Mm-hmm. And um, I know I haven't really given the story a great 
introduction, I don't think. I swear it's a lot better than it kind of sounds. And it's super cheap. I think it's only like 99 cents for on Comixology mm-hmm. for this first issue. But it's just a really interesting story that works. Um, like it just, there's a lot of character development. And there's a lot of story there that uh, just leads up to something more that I really want to, you know, continue checking out. Um, I don't know what else I want to say about that. I think that's pretty well it. That one's called High Crimes. I didn't really make any sense at all. That was just a lot of books in like, you know, I'm going to breathe now. You did great. You did great. You made sense. Um, (laughs) It's really good. Just read it. I promise. I promise it's super cheap. You will not regret it. What did one cat say to the other cat? Meow. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What Um, else would he say? Uh, but before we go on more books, I just want to bring this up because it kind of uh, piggybacks off your many cat stories that you've been talking about. Uh, Art and Franco, who created Tiny Titans and uh, did Superman Family Adventures at Kickstarter not too long ago for their Aw Yeah Comics imprint. Uh, they have a comic book store in um, Skokie, Illinois, called Aw Yeah Comics. Uh, and the first issue of it came out. Uh, this week, uh, Thrillbent published it through Comixology. It's 31 pages for $1.99. Um, and it's The Adventures of Action Cat and Adventure Bug. <gasps> 70. I saw this. I yeah. was actually going to pick it up and like try and review that. But I was like, then there will be far too many books about cats. Yeah. But this uh, has a bug in it. It's, uh, I read I know. it. I Action read... Cat and what's it? Adventure a- Bug? Adventure Bug, yeah. yeah. Uh, and their nemesis, yeah. Evil Cat and Ghost Bug. Um, it's a, a pretty uh, the main story is by Art and Franco and then there are several kind of one usually one page sometimes two page short little stories about uh, Action Cat and Adventure Bug it's incredibly charming uh, if you've read Superman Family Adventures or Tiny Titans everyone knows th- their style um, there also is a giant walking pancake in the issue Stephanie oh it's like they broke my it god me. <laughs> yep Seriously? Yeah, yeah. Hey guys, are any of you married? Because I think I might be your soulmate. <laughs> Look at the pancake. Oh my god, it is a giant pancake. Yeah. <laughs> I am so buying that when I get home. Yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. It's uh very funny. Uh you know, there's personality coming out of every pore, you know, it's dedicated to Billy D. Williams uh for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, they do the voice if they do. Yeah. So, you know, definitely check that out. They're they're awesome guys. Uh they actually do a podcast as well called the All Yeah Podcast. If you guys want to check that out as well, oh, but yeah, but definitely Comicsology a dollar ninety nine for thirty one pages. I'm not sure if there's plans for it to come to print or not, but this is where it is right now. Uh, it, it's pretty awesome. But I just wanted to bring that up because you were mentioning all the cat stuff, so I didn't yeah. want to leave it behind. Uh, and pancakes. Yes, uh, Steve. What do you got for us? Let's see. Let's see. I believe some of these books are going to come up a little later. So uh, I'll just go down a quick list of stuff that I thought was awesome, mm-hmm. and then I'll talk about my main book. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy number two. Wow. It was pretty great. Yeah. It captures the, uh, you know, a lot of books say that they want to be like the big summer blockbuster tone. This, I think the book captures it better than just about anything else. It's like exactly that. Mm. It's, like, it's like you're sitting there watching a big summer action movie in, in comic book form. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, still really enjoying uh, Uncanny X-Men. There was a change in artist yeah. uh, this month, but I am happy to say that even though uh, Bachelot is not doing the art, I was pleasantly very surprised and very pleased with it. It works for the, like, the it's, you know, about magic in her dimension, you know, in, 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 in Limbo, and his art is so 
intense that it really, really works. Stephanie, I think you were going to chime in about Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I was just meowing. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Don't worry. Of course. I haven't read it yet. Of course. I, I was away last week. Okay. So I didn't, I'm, haven't really picked up a lot, but, okay. you know. That's fine. Um, <laughs> I should have known. All right. For those that haven't forgotten about this series uh, from Joshua Luna, one of the Luna brothers, Whispers number five, no. after so many months, was finally, finally released. And what do they tell you at the end of issue number five? To be continued? Issue number six is the last one. Oh. What? The hell. Uh, and But one of our Twitter followers said, like, oh, that's okay. The book will be run for another eight months then. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> this is the biggest WTF of the month. This should have been published under DC. Yeah. What? Is it the big WTF? It is huge. I can tell you that it's just like, you know. Actually, I haven't read it yet. I don't know. I'm just being messy. Anyway. Uh, that particular issue, it's, it's a shame that it's ending in one more because they completely he blew the story open and what's happening within the story reached out to so many other characters and just added so many more levels to this situation that's going on that it's very bizarre to me that he's ending it in one more i'm almost wondering if that was planned Mm. or if because this has taken him so long to To do, I know that that happens, yeah, and I know that creator on stuff sometimes it takes forever. Mm. <coughs> Brilliant, but um, I almost wonder if it was too much for, mm-hmm. for him to do, and he decided to cut it short. Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's speculation. Mm-hmm. Um, blah 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 blah. Are you going to talk about Young Avengers? Uh, uh, yeah, we can talk about it now. It doesn't matter. I have other books to talk about. So, all right. Uh, well, then I'll I'll, I'll skip to yeah. my main to uh, Jupiter's Legacy was phenomenal as well. I want I want to talk about Jupiter's Legacy. You do. I do want to talk about it. All right. Uh, you, you want to let me let me, okay, let me yeah, yeah, wrap up yeah. really yeah. quick. I'm sorry, I'm being so confusing. No, it's all right. My last two things I want to talk about: Ultimate Comics Spider Man. Uh, I listed this as one of my top fa- five favorite ongoings, and this issue just goes to uh, push that along even further. Some really, really significant uh, game-changing stuff happens in this issue. This is the issue where I think, and I'm not saying that it took 22 issues for this to take off. Mm-hmm. It's been great since the start. But issue number 22 of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man just totally blew the roof off of this particular Spider-Man's character. And I think that you're going to get much, much more, if you haven't been getting enough, there's going to be much more from this book from this point out. This is the quote-unquote, like the character turning point mm-hmm. issue. Something very major and very character-defining happens in it, and you're going to see a lot more stuff going forward with this character mm-hmm. from now on, I believe. Cool. Uh, there is more of a mission now to be Spider-Man more than ever, which is strange that he's ripping and throwing away the suit, mm-hmm. but you'll have to read it to find out right. why. Yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man, no yes. more. <laughs> um, but my favorite book of the week, my absolute favorite book of the week, is uh, I'm going to kind of plug something here as well. Um, over on the Talking Comics po- uh, podcast, on the, the website, same. the official website, TalkingComicBooks.com, we have a new column that started today called What You've Been Missing. Mm-hmm. And what this is going to be is um, ourselves and our staff are we're going to be taking some of our favorite uh, comic book stories throughout history and basically um, looking at them with a fresh pair of eyes and analyzing them, talking about them and sharing them with you and basically just celebrating the comics of old 
with so many new comics coming out every week, it's very easy to get distracted. Your to-read pile is filled with new stuff. You don't get to as much of the old stuff as, as much, but that doesn't mean that the old stuff isn't just as amazing. And what this column is going to do is it's going to highlight that and it's going to be there for you to maybe check out some stuff that you don't hear about on the mm-hmm. podcast or don't hear about all the time or haven't really thought about in like 10 or 20 years and all of a sudden give you a new reason to dust it off and pull it back out and read Mm -hmm. it again. With that being said, um, I visited Canada over the weekend and went to Heroes Comics, which is my comic shop when I go there. Uh, It's in London. And I found for $10 a book from Craig Thompson. It's an illustrated novel called Blankets. Uh, I know that Blankets is a very, or was a very, very popular book. It won all kinds of awards. It was the winner of three 2004 Harvey Awards for Best Artist, Best Graphic Album uh, of Original Work, and Best Cartoonist. And it also won uh, two 2004 Eisner Awards for Best Graphic Album and Best Graphic Writer and Artist. Now, uh, what Blankets is about is it's a young love story and also the struggles of somebody growing up within a very strict uh, religious house, this one being Christianity. And basically, this this young man named Craig, you get to see him from a child growing up with his brother, sharing the same bed. And basically, you follow him throughout high school, and eventually he ends up going off to these kind of Christian summer camps. And he ends up meeting a girl named Raina, who is of the faith, but kind of goes goes against the grain in a lot of ways where she has faith, but she likes to make her own choices and do her own, th- her own thing and take risks. Craig is not a risk taker. He's not used to it at all. But he finds himself completely infatuated with this girl. And the more that he falls in love with her, the more that he gets to know her, the more risks he gets to take with who he is and how he sees the world. Uh, I cannot, cannot stress this enough. This is a wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, if you check out the piece that I wrote today on the website, you'll see, uh, I talked a little bit about religion, my own faith and stuff like that. And, uh, it's a very complicated thing for me to even read about. Um, it's very personal for everyone involved. And this book took me by surprise in a sense that of that, I, it's a, it was a blind buy. I knew nothing about it. I had no idea it had mm. religious overtones or anything. Um, normally I wouldn't read something like that, but I am overjoyed that I didn't know these things because I, I wound up reading it, not knowing them and absolutely fell in love with the content of this book. And by the end of the book, really admiring the path that the character takes and just the, the struggles and all of the things that came along with the relationship with Raina it's one of those books where we always talk about like how we like the quiet moments or we like those little slice of life books. I wouldn't even call this a slice of life book. This is just a life book. Mm-hmm. This is something that when you were young and you had a relationship probably within like middle school to to junior high where you had that that girl or that guy that was just so special to you, one of your very first loves that even spending the weekend with them felt like an eternity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Craig gets to spend basically two weeks during the winter with Raina at her home, see where she lives and and how she operates with her family. And it just paints a really, really, really uh, beautiful, beautiful picture about 
love and about faith and about all these different things that you don't even realize are happening around the world that kind of reflect your own goings on, uh, the winter, the snow melting, and just every, almost every single page of this book is filled with metaphor. Everything happening within the story is a mirror for their relationship and both both statuses of where they are in that relationship. When one is sick, the other gets sick. When they're apart, things go wrong. When they're together, things are perfect. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. The wor- uh, artwork for it is beautiful. It's black and white, uh, highly, highly detailed. And just a, a wonderful book. You could probably find it. I found it in a discount bin. Uh, it's in its over its 10th printing, this, uh, this particular uh, one is that I picked up. And if you haven't checked it out, it's, I think it's from 2004, seeing as that's the year it won all the awards. <laughs> Haha. Uh, I'm talking kind of fast because I've had Red Bull. <laughs> but um, it's really wonderful. It kind of uh, knocked me off of my feet. I did not expect to get as much enjoyment out of it as I did when I picked it up. I started reading it on the plane. By the time I got home, it's uh, about 580 pages. goes very, very fast. And uh, I don't know anyone that wouldn't enjoy it. Even if uh, religion is not your thing, Everybody, everybody has been in these compromising places and have had some of the questions that get brought up in this book and it's just handled so beautifully and I cannot wait to read uh, some of Craig Thompson's other work after Mm. this book. Uh, Definitely, definitely going to be a contender for uh, some of my end of the year lists. Very, very pleased with it. Awesome. Yes. Awesome, awesome. Um, So, uh, you talked about Jupiter's Legacy for a second there. Yeah. Um, I don't want to get it out of the way and we'll get the, the heavy stuff out of the way before yeah. we jump into the, the more fun stuff. Um, uh, Jupiter's Legacy for me was a, was a book that I was very much looking forward to. Uh, uh, I, well, actually, I've no, I don't think I've ever read uh, a full uh, Mark Millar comic before, uh, but Frank Whiteley is... Uh, uh, artist that I love his work with Grant Morrison is is amazing and uh, really looking forward to seeing you know fresh new art and a fresh new series from him and uh, the, the things about Jupiter's Legacy that I think work extremely well are the the ideas that, that it presents forward it's it's very much you know you know it falls along with even though I haven't read a lot of the stuff I've seen a lot of the stuff based on his work and, and know a lot about his work Mark Millar seems to love this thing with superhero type characters in a world where no super other superheroes exist mm-hmm. you know trying to place superheroes in real world situations and see how the w- world he thinks would react to them now Jupiter's legacy is very much that's that same idea uh i believe it's uh it's during uh it's during actually the great depression uh these group of kind of explorers decide like we need to the world is in this horrible place we need to go out and find a way to bring them back and this one guy has these visions of this island that he he he, he, like, he needs to find he eventually finds it and then somehow or otherwise they're gifted with superpowers and they they're superheroes you know throughout the time they help the win world war ii they help win world war one they help do you know all, all this stuff we fast forward to now they have children they're aging and it, and it really what it is it's a commentary on both society now um, as a whole, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, celebrity for the sake of being celebrity culture, the, uh, the kind of malaise of a generation, 
uh, the kind of fear of stepping up to your legacy type of situation. Uh, politics, too. Po- politics, too, exactly. Yeah, very much with politics. Um, and it's also a comment on the difference between heroes created when most heroes were created and the way c- things are kind of viewed now in a lot of ways. And for those big ideas, it's a series that I will continue reading uh, because I feel like it's really trying to say something and that impresses me. <clears throat> and the art is gorgeous. Um, absolutely gorgeous. I do feel like, and this is one of my pet peeves about any uh, social commentary in media, Mark Millar kind of gets to a point in the middle of the book where he's like smacking you over the head w- with his message and these characters are just speaking his message kind of at you. You know, they're, they're, it feels less like a dialogue they'd actually have and more like, this is what I want to say, so I'm not going to say it. And it's that, like, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. It's like when you go to a concert and all you want to hear is the music, but instead you have to hear the band's political affiliations and all that <laughs> yeah. shenanigans. Like, shut up, Radiohead and Coldplay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and I want these messages. I want these big ideas, but the deafness at which they're given to me uh, I kind of bristle that. Uh, it's definitely a story I want to keep reading. Uh, I I like the 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 bickering between the superheroes that actually exist, and um, and that the bigger ideas are there. The thing I think it's missing is a this deafness, and b the plot that's actually in the book, the actual down and dirty what these characters are doing plot is kind of thin at this point. It's very just establishing who these people are, not giving you a, a forward thrust. There's something that happens at the end of the book that obviously you go, it's a kind of like, oh shit, what's going to happen moment. <laughs> but uh, for me, that's where it fell short. Great ideas, great art, but the, the execution was not my favorite. But Steve, why did you love it? Because I want, I want to know. Um, well, I loved it because I honestly had no idea what to expect. Mm-hmm. I have read, I read Kick-Ass. Okay. I think that might be one of the only Mark Millar things that I've read. Mm. And it just, I, I like these comics that are coming out that are very high concept, that have a lot of personality to them. And I really, really enjoyed the cast. Mm-hmm. And I liked the the attitudes that were in the book. That I I liked the the dichotomy, I guess, between the older heroes versus the, you know, the next generation yeah. of slackers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh I just it really I mean, you know, we're I'm only I'm 32 years old, mm. but I'm already like going into the whole get off my lawn <laughs> mode with, you know, generations uh, you know, beneath me or whatever that I just I see quote unquote kids <laughs> in this day and age and I sometimes I really got to, you know, hang my head and just kind of <laughs> shake it a little bit like ah and then everybody tells me, you know, you were a kid too, blah, blah, blah. But the one thing that I and, the, and my particular group of friends had was we did have a certain level of respect for our our olders. And That's because we grew up in the generation when parents were still allowed to spank their children. Yeah. Mm, it's true. My dad cracked me on my ass one time. I didn't even feel my butt for a week. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. It was like I a thunderbolt you. came down. I was like, what was that? <laughs> Spanking put the fear of God in children. Yeah. I still remember what I Parents said to him, but I'm not going to repeat it. Like, you won't spank me because I'll report you to Children's Aid. Yeah, yeah, but um, Shits. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying mm-hmm. as far as like the the slapping you in the face with the message. Um, 
I don't. I think I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little. I was forgiving of that. Mm-hmm. I did recognize it, mm-hmm. but I was forgiving of it simply for having a another book that kind of like it. I don't want to. All right, it reminded me a little bit of Saga, mm-hmm. in a sense of that not sci-fi story-wise and whatnot, but just very, very big and and just presenting itself and establishing itself within a single issue where I was very comfortable, maybe not with the plot and where the story was going, but I was very comfortable within the characters and within the situations that I was placed. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that to enjoy those aspects of the book that I was very comfortable within the situations, I understood the lethargy from the younger generation and they're not caring and they're basically taking things for granted and then others doing things simply to uh, keep their parents off their backs. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, I do give to this foundation, but then I put the rest of it up my nose. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, it's just, it's, it mirrors so much of what you see on television these Mm -hmm. days with all these television shows that we have of camera crews, following people around we have a new show coming out called long island princesses because the jersey shore is gone that we need this piece of shit to come out like this is the kind of these this is what this stuff breeds yeah and that's what i saw in this book and it was also very much their attitudes that millar was while he was writing them so well it's also because i know better that it was a big middle finger to that attitude. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. Those things I think are very prescient and and, and very good. You know, I I just think, and this is I think this part just his style. He's not the guy who holds back. He doesn't have the stopping. You know, he doesn't know when not to say that. He just always yeah. just says. Stephanie, you you seem to kind of agree with me about the political stuff. But did you enjoy the book? Yeah, I did. They give you a lot of information yeah. at once and. Yet I didn't feel like it was overly done. Mm-hmm. Um, right. They did a really good job of spacing it out mm-hmm. and making all of the characters, um, pinpointing who they all were so that they kind of just absorbed in your brain. And that's a really rare talent for a writer and artist to have, I think. Yeah, um, absolutely. Like I find with a lot of books, and I think this was one of my biggest problems with East of West um, was that it was just so much at once and it was so dense that you couldn't possibly absorb it all in one read. Mm -hmm. But while I think you could benefit from reading Jupiter's legacy more than once, it wasn't something that you had to read more than once to get. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of political stuff and they don't, they don't like um, beat around the bush with what political stuff they're talking about. Like they straight up mention Obama. Yeah. And stuff like that, which I find a little um, weird. Yeah. You have a fictional world that you name real people. Yeah, and it also dates the book. You know, in in, in 10 years, it's definitely going to date the book. But the book is very much of a time, so maybe they're doing that on purpose. Yeah, like, I don't fault it for that. But at the same time, like, it makes it more of a political, like you said, like, it makes it more of a political statement as opposed to a comic book. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still a political statement if you're making up a president yeah. and you make similarities, but yes. they just straight up were like, we are going to mention things. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I really enjoyed it. It took me su- by surprise because I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a copy on my iPad and then I kind of forgot that it was there. And then 
again, when I was at the signing um, in Portland on Friday, you know, I saw it and was like, shit, I got to read that. <laughs> and um, it took me by surprise. I think the art is what really sold me on it. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm interested to see what they do with it because it's very much like, I don't know. It's got that vibe where I feel like you're going to love to hate the characters. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and I want to mention, you did mention East of West, and I just want to bring up issue two very quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, yep. You know, it, it and it, Stephanie, I do agree with you. The first issue is extremely dense, and it, and, it, and it does take more than one read. And while this issue is still very intelligent and very well thought out, it's much more story oriented. It's much more digestible in, in, in one. It's far more localized. Definitely. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is. And and it t- tells a very intriguing story, which I'm super excited about. Seven, do you enjoy issue two more than yeah, one? Yeah, I did decide. I think I mentioned last time I was planning on waiting for the trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did decide to give it a shot because I know we're at the very least going to talk about the first couple of issues, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I did enjoy this one a lot better. I found it a lot more um, easy to follow along and read. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm more intrigued by where they're going in the story now than I was initially. Yeah. Um, I think, again, for those waiting for the trade, you will probably enjoy it a lot more sitting down and reading it in one shot. Mm-hmm. But um, I will read the third issue now and see if it continues to be as readable as the second. Yeah. And also just fucking gorgeous. The, this, totally. Yeah. It's got like... <sighs> I really like the lettering style too. I know that's a weird thing to necessarily point out, but we really don't talk about the colors and letterers enough. Yeah. But I love. I don't know if it's the same letterer from Saga, mm. but I love the font and the style that Saga and East of West have. Yeah. It's super easy to read. It's mm. aesthetically pleasing, and it doesn't take away from the book. It just like. I don't know. I took typography in school, and now I have like this weird love for fonts. <laughs> But like it just, it just adds so much more to the book when it flows with everything else that's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So You're absolutely. Whoever, right. I'm sorry, I don't know who the letterer is off the top of my. I think it actually might be Russ Wooden. It is. Yes. Well, you rock, buddy. <laughs> and uh, Frank Martin does the colors, and and they're gorgeous. Well, but both these books, Jupiter's Legacy and East of West, are absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous books. Um, we talked a lot already. I don't want to spend too much time more on, bo- on my books because we still have Bob who needs to go here. Yes. sitting here silently. Yeah, have fun. Uh, really quickly, uh, Young Avengers number four. Uh, I've really enjoyed issues one through three, but this issue was kind of the breaking point for me as far as it really took it to the next level. A lot of people have heard about you know the page, the two-page spread of Novar doing his kind of uh, you know saving the day routine, and it's it's amazing and completely uh you know jaw dropping as far as visuals go the humor is there the story presses forward we get a a good moment a good couple moments with loki a cool question raised about wiccan's powers and just how real is his reality you know how how can you how can you trust anything that's around him because he has the power to create things out of nothing um so very interesting stuff there uh i also read the first issue of the digital first which will be in print i believe in may uh superman uh-huh. Uh, came out. Uh, Jeff Parker, Chris Samney, <clears throat> ninety nine cents on Comicsology uh, right now. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's a ton of fun. There's not a ton to say about it. It's, it's very short, obviously, but it looks gorgeous. It's as gorgeous as you expect it to coming from Chris Samney. Great sense of fun. Great sense of uh, heroism. It's a very small, contained scene. You know, in, in this 
thing. Um, but it, it, you know, I think for those waiting for the the print edition, you're going to be very happy when when it gets in your hands uh, very soon. But my book of the week, and this is coming out of nowhere for me, just as much as anybody else. Uh, All Star Western uh, number nineteen. Uh, wow. I didn't even know you were still reading that. I wasn't. I was not reading it. Hmm. Uh, well, tell us more, Bobby. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> this is this is one of the times where the WTF cover really, really got me because the WTF is that Booster Gold is <laughs> in the West. Is WTF. In the West. <laughs> uh, he's been missing since the end of since JLI ended months and months and months ago. It's got to be almost a year ago now. Uh, and this is the first time he's popping up. He pops up. In Jonah Hex time, uh, and this is from beginning to end a fun, uh, you know, lighthearted buddy, uh, you know, unlikely buddy cop team up book uh, where Booster is the sheriff of this little western town. Of course, that, you know that uh, Jonah Hex happens into because he's hunting down this gang, and this gang, you know, uh, uh, t- you know, robs banks and basically destroys towns as they go through. And uh, they come rolling through this town, and they have a they have a midget with a Gatling gun, and all this stuff. And, and Booster and Jonah have to kind of go after them. Uh, it's a ton of fun, you know. Uh, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti has been saying for weeks and weeks that when this issue comes out, it's going to sell out. Retailers order more than you usually do because people are going to buy it. And when we were in tour this past week, I got it. And then uh, one of our friends who buys books, he, he's kind of his job schedule changed, so he came in a little bit later. He came in, he's like, "You're buying All Star Western?" And I said, "Yeah, it's got it's got Booster Gold in it." And he goes, "It's got Booster Gold in it?" And it was gone. There was no more copies oh. left. Uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's similar to the story that to continue. There's been rumblings that C two E two DC talked about Jonah Hex coming into the 21st century uh, pretty soon, a, a time travel story. I got to imagine that something to do with Booster Gold. Yeah. Uh, just you know what we've been talking about constantly about wanting these diversity of books in DC. There's obviously still John Hex is a rough character, but there's a a good injection of fun in here, and I'm gonna stay with this book as long as Booster's in it. This storyline goes on, and maybe endears me the book enough to me to keep me on it, you know, past that. But uh, yeah, All Star Western number nineteen, really really great stuff. Sweet, really really great stuff. Who's doing the art on that? The cover is really it's impressive. uh Moritat. I can't really say uh, he's been doing it since the beginning. Oh. I'm not sure if he's the cover artist. Uh, um, Bob, I'll pass it on to you to do your books of the week, and then I'll I'll look it up and oh, l- let you okay. know. All right, so let us know. Okay, uh, really quickly, I still don't want to say too much about uh, this is the last issue of John Burns' The Highways. Oh right, yes. Um, some more twists. The story each and every issue has something that makes you say, "I didn't see that happening at all," and there it is. Um, it it's a good read reading all four together. By the way, which I've discovered rereading okay. it, and there are glimpses early on of what you're going to see later. But mm-hmm. um, if someone hasn't picked up, there probably is a trade. It is IDW yeah, at some point. Sure there will probably be, be some extra stuff. So yeah. uh, try to pick that one up. Um, on the smaller scale, too, um, and unfortunately another book that's a, they're coming to an end. I'm, I'm, I'm in a bad <laughs> run here, Dark Avengers yeah. and uh, now X Factor. But uh, Boom Studios' Steed and Mrs. Peel is apparently coming to an end sometime mm. later this year. And that's a shame because, you know, the start with Mark Wade, mm-hmm. uh, and he wrote the Zero issue and then plotted the first little arc. And since it's been Caleb Monroe, um, this is the best issue since. It's most satisfying, uh, most like a TV episode. There's a little Welsh village that there's been a wave of suicides, 24 in the last month. Mm-hmm. 
And so Steve and Mrs. Peel show up to investigate, and there's a, you know, the usual assortment of weird locals and so on. They get almost pulled into this madness. And what you end up with is lovely character moments, really well done to the way these characters were on television. And the art here is, is a woman named Yasmin Liang, who's been doing this since four, and this is the best issue of art in the entire run of this thing. Mm. Uh, likenesses are spot on, lots of fun stuff, great set decorations, uh, some real menace, because there's a real, some scary stuff. It is right, suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but still light enough. I mm-hmm. mean, there was a lot of death in the old shows. Right. And usually in pretty weird ways. This is a little more nasty. Mm-hmm. So we go to someplace different. It's really a shame this is ending. Mm-hmm. You know, there aren't many good TV books from television shows. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem to work. I don't know if anyone's reading the Buffy ones or the Smallville ones. Uh, the Buffy ones are apparently great. You know, they've been running for a very long time, and they're very well received. Uh, a lot of the Buffy line stuff is received very well. Um and the Smallville stuff is apparently great. It's apparently much, much better than the, the television show ever was. I mean, a lot of people are saying it's the best Superman comic that's being released right now. Wow. Yeah, so Brian Q. Miller is doing that, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's interesting because I, I like that first issue. It, it didn't grab me enough to keep reading it, but it's cool that it's continued to be a high-quality book. Yeah, unfortunately, though, going away. Right. So uh, pretty soon I'll have nothing to buy. <laughs> Except maybe... If you buy books, they get canceled. <laughs> right. I'm the kiss of death. Yeah. It was not us. Uh, and now on to books I couldn't talk about last week, but I'll talk about them now. All yeah, right, because they couldn't so, be on your list. We, they were gone last week. By the uh, way, Bob, Ulster Western cover, it's a Howard Porter cover. That's the Oh, artist. well. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Okay. You no, go. he drew Booster when they were Justice League way in. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great call. Great yeah. call to get him. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having like flashbacks to Back to the Future 3. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's a good... Any Morricone? Okay, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, why not? I hate manure. <laughs> Absolutely. That would be a great t-shirt. It would be, Just, yes. It I would hate be. manure. Surprise, it's not one. You gotta yeah. have that... Never mind. Yeah, Never mind. A green link in his mouth that he has to spit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So gross. Yeah. I'm going to have to go watch that movie again. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fantastic Four number seven. Uh, Matt Fraction, Mark Bagley, of course. Um, we were left with a cliffhanger the last time. How would they get out of you know the end of time? With everything being wrecked, their ship being torn to shreds by Blastar. Uh, well, we you know, obviously the book's going to you, so they mm-hmm. get out of that by yeah. by getting to the end of time. Uh, the truth starts to come out about what's gone wrong here. Mm. You know, Ben finds out that Reed's been keeping things. Uh, we get a lot of really cool stuff with Val and Franklin for the first time in this main book. Turns out they're well known, even hundreds of thousands of years yeah. into the future. Yeah. Yep. We've never encountered a Franklin this young. <laughs> Wait a minute, how many yeah. are there? Uh, but it's a family. Even perhaps more than under Jonathan Hickman, there's a lot of really, really nice moments here. And when you see what's gone on over in Age of Ultron, where Sue is mm-hmm. doing, well, no spoilers, doing some bad stuff over there. Well, here it's about, you know, make sure Franklin doesn't hear this. Mm-hmm. Put him in a force field so he doesn't hear any bad stuff. Uh, really, really nicely done. You get Reed apologizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, I don't, I'm not going to ruin the joke, but go ahead, Steve. No, no, I'll wait till you're done. Then I'll, no, I'll where he, um, he's, he's, he has to come up with something to do a large ruse. I'll just mm-hmm. leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And as it comes apart, well, you know, you may have a couple of billion years on me. Yeah. But I'm still smarter than everybody. Yeah, I'm Reed yeah. Richards. Yeah, I'm Reed Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I really, really liked about the issue was 
it proved that i mean when when certain people talk to me about the fantastic four they kind of see them as almost like a goody goody mm-hmm. family uh this issue if anything proves that the uh marvel's first family can be very deceptive and when they need to get something done that even though all of them are so different, they can all work towards the same ends and they all meet in the middle of just this. They'll manipulate things in order to get what they want and have have the universe go their way. And they're quite dangerous. Mm-hmm. So for all the, you know, good times and fantastic cars and all these crazy, you know, shenanigans mm-hmm. that they get into. There are times when things get very dark and they get very serious and very uh, schemy. And this is one of those episodes that will prove to you that there are uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they're not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but never immoral about it. No, it, it's no, for never, a, it's never for a immoral, good end, but... and it's not even a qualm sort of moment. It's well, this has to get done. Mm-hmm. No, and but how they, do we get it done? But they've got it in them, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, sleight of hand. Yeah. Yes. So that's that. One. Then there's FF6, mm. which uh, behind a really bizarre cover of mm. 47,000 Things yeah. <laughs> uh, by Mike Allred. And now, this time he isn't doing the interior art, but it's no. Joe Canonis who does a style that's halfway between his own as all reds mm-hmm. and it's it's just really not jolting at all if you didn't know if if you didn't stop to look at the credits you wouldn't know that something had changed almost mm-hmm. uh but as bobby pointed out earlier it's still lower all red on the colors so you mm-hmm. get that sort of pop art thing happening we have a, a number of little stories going on here <laughs> matt is continually juggling all this uh we have the medusa bentley thing which uh who knows what's going yeah. on there and we have Darla having problems with the Yancey Street gang, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> in, including uh, she has she makes a Carnegie Hall appearance. Yeah, yeah. It's her listening party, and they they tend to turn up. And th- that cover, which you say that can't happen in the book, it happens in the book. Yeah, uh, along with some rotten fruit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Scott is you know the, the deeply emotional part, and Canonis perfectly handles all this, where he's you know. He's surrounded by all these kids. And why he didn't want to take this job is he's still feeling the loss of his daughter, Cassie. Mm-hmm. And that's right there. That's yeah. all right up front. And yeah. He's trying hard to do this because you know, Reed trusted him to do this. So he's in there pitching. Mm-hmm. And that includes helping Darla out in her little situation. And then we, I don't know, it's, a, it's still a spoiler alert. There's a big reveal. <laughs> Yeah. In this issue, should I? No, I don't think I'd go to the reveal. I mean, it's a it's a cool, very big reveal. Okay. That's nice. Um, one of the moloids, Tong, uh, says to his. Oh, you're talking about that moment? That oh, moment. you can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, you, okay. I you're talking about the end. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay, no that yeah, I, yeah. I wouldn't know. That I'm not yeah, going no, to. That I'm not going to talk about. And he goes to his, his other his brothers <laughs> and says that you know there's. Um, He's tried very hard mm-hmm. you know, to be a boy, but he's not really a boy inside, so he mm-hmm. can't live that way. And we cut to a panel of him standing there with a nice little purple lacy dress over his yeah. jumpsuit. Yeah. Uh, so now you have a sister, but are we still a family? <laughs> and uh, I think it's, it's Turg mm-hmm. who yeah, runs it's up to him and just gives him a big hug, love my tongue, mm-hmm. and there are tears all over the place, and it's just utterly charming beautifully realized script and art 
and the panel that pays it off, the next page, yeah. they're mm-hmm. all sitting around the table and, and the moloids go walking down while one's floating in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. And Scott turns and says, is this a thing we're doing now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the, um, Darla says, you know, good for her. And yeah. the she gets, okay. Yeah. And yeah. it just moves on. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just moves on. It's just amazing. It was a good week. For, it broke those books. I, I have been in love with FF since uh, the beginning, since the uh, the Fraction All Red stuff. I was reticent about the this art sub, mm-hmm. but it, it, did, it was very, very good. And this, for me, is my favorite issue of the Fantastic Four yeah. proper book uh, so far. All right, so uh, that's it for our uh, books of the week. Um, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and we're preview free comic book day for you guys, let you know what's Woo! coming out. And we're also going to be joined by Jamal Eigel and Jeremy Whitley to talk about their free comic book day offering, a book that you guys should really be looking at, uh, Molly Danger and Princeless. Uh, so we'll be right back with that stuff. We are back. We're going to be talking about uh, Free Comic Book Day. It is, uh, well, it is Saturday, May the 4th. If you're listening to this before then, that's what it is. If you're listening after, this is not going to be of as much interest <laughs> to you. But uh, Time travel. Probably a lot of your shops might have a lot of these books left over, so uh, you might be able to, to snag some. Um, so, if anybody doesn't know what Free Comic Book Day is, it's exactly what it sounds like. Uh It's a day where there are select books that the publishers send to shops uh, that they give away for free. Doesn't mean every book in the store is free. Doesn't mean you can take any book for free. And those books are paid for by the stores, by the way. Okay. Those are not completely free to them. So they're doing everyone a service. Don't glom everything on the shelf. Well, and the people know that there's there's a. We're I'm going to read off this set of books here. You know, it's really at the discretion of the shops Mm -hmm. and what they do. A lot of them are, some of them are only one, some of them are two, three, four. Uh, A lot of shops also have uh, deals on uh, on those days, 20% off things, 50% off back issues, whatever. So, you know, your local shop, you should really look into it. If you go to uh, freecomicbookday.com, they have a locator that will tell you if the shops in your area are participating in Free Comic Book Day and it leads you to those sites so you can see if they have them listed uh, up there uh, as well. Um, and be respectful of the rules that your uh, retailer sets on yes. those days. Yeah. Um, like we said, they do pay for those books, mm-hmm. and it is at their discretion as to how they get distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you cannot just simply walk in there and take a copy of every one of them, as many mm-hmm. copies as you like. Yeah. Uh, Especially I've seen, never having shopped in the store yeah, before. Yeah, like if you're yeah. looking for Jonathan Hickman's Infinity, you can't take the whole stack because yeah. it's free. Right. Um, so that we'll leave off with that then. That is one of the books. Uh, and it's so good. Jonathan Hickman and Jim Chung. Um, uh, Infinity, which is the prelude to the big event that's going to be coming down the line mm-hmm. uh, for Marvel. Uh, got Thanos on the cover. It's about it's about a ten page new original story, and yep. then a reprint of an older uh, oh. Thanos. And it is story. gorgeous. Um, uh, the other big, the DC offering is a Superman Last Son of Krypton. It is uh, the first issue of the Jeff Johns Richard Donner. Uh, graphic novel Lesson of Krypton uh, from a few years ago but it's also there's a preview for Superman Unchained the Scott Snyder Jim Lee book oh. coming out so that'll be a popular one Bastards. as well 
<laughs> I was uh, like so underinterested, and then I was like, well, now I am interested. Um, there's from Dark Horse. They're putting out a sampler of a new Star Wars book, which has Darth Vader and Boba Fett in it. Um, uh, and a bit of a Avatar The Last Airbender book is going to be in this little collection as well, mm-hmm. as well as Captain Midnight by Joshua Williamson, which is part of their kind of new heroes initiative that they're doing. They're releasing kind of superhero books um, and trying to try out, trying to get their own ongoing mm-hmm. superhero books going. And this is one of them. Captain Midnight is one of those. Um, <clears throat> the really great thing about for comic book day is there's a lot of all ages stuff that is going to be available. Um, Bongo comics, which is the Simpsons, uh, comics that they, they have an offering, uh, company, ugly doll comics, which is from, uh, Sweet. biz kids. Uh, it's coming out. It has an action comics kind of parody cover. Um, Kaboom Can't have too many of those. Yeah. Kaboom has an offering, a sampler of nothing new, but samplers of all their big all ages books, adventure time, adventure time, Fiona and Kate. Yeah. And oh. yeah. Yeah. Stuff like that. And, uh, Bravest warriors. Yeah. There's a, a regular s- show. Uh, there's a sesame. There's something also Snoopy like peanut stuff in there as well. Uh, I spy Pippi Longstocking is coming into your world. <laughs> Don't worry, Steph. We'll sing it. Uh, didn't know there was a song. There's a comic. That's there's a why movie too. It. She walks on the ceiling with special glue on her shoes, and it's awesome. It really does. It's magical. It was like a, I watched it like 500 times as a kid. I'm per- pretty sure my parents actually burned the tape. So did I. That and suspiciously could never find Treasure it. Of the after. Lost Lamp. Oh yeah, true. and That's the Jetsons awesome. movie. Yeah, uh, there's a Sesame Street offering as well as a SpongeBob uh, SquarePants um, offering as well. Uh, something from the Smurfs, uh, a Teenage Mutant Ninja, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, story, which I believe is based on the new animated series. Um, nice. A uh, Walking Dead special. There's usually one uh, every uh, every year. Uh oh. Um, I'm not sure what this one collects. I'm gonna look right now. Usually it's a hey, kind of. Boop. Rev up those eBay's. Yeah, uh, it's a smattering uh, of stories. Um, it's a new Tyrese uh, short story, um, and it's also a reprint of short stories featuring Michonne, the Governor, and Morgan. So that's what the Walking Dead uh, thing will be. Uh, there are people sitting there. They're just the the page is already written. They just need to hit you know submit. Yeah, <laughs> on the eBay. Yeah, yeah it's all ready to go. Um, <laughs> There's a uh, World of Archie Digest that will be there uh, for Free Comic Book Day. Oh, Archie. Um, a 2000 AD, which is obviously the Judge Dredd, mm-hmm. uh, the most recent Judge Dredd, uh, a special collection of their stuff. Um, a, a new series, Absolution, The Beginning, which was written by Christos Gage, who obviously wrote a bunch on uh, Avengers Academy and several other Marvel properties. Um, Didn't he do something with Buffy, too? Uh, he, I, yeah, I think he writes Angel and Faith, yes. actually. Um, which Rebecca Isaac says the art for, uh, a gorgeous book. Um, some more, you know, all I just stuff. Something called Action Time Buddies, uh, which is Kid the Adventurer and Bro the Kung Fu Pegasus are back in an all new story for Free Comic Book Day. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, Kung Fu so it's like Pegasus. My, my Little Pony, but like the knockoff. Uh, the fan favorite yeah. best buds will face fierce forests, soaring snakes, nincompoop ninjas, doofy dinosaurs, and vile villains, all in the name of fun. Don't miss out on this growing hit. It's like Doofy. the GoBots of ponies. Yeah. Doofy dinosaurs. Uh, GoBots have, have their place. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I struck a nerve. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, not at all. I'm just okay. saying. <laughs> uh, you just said none kind word about the GoBots, man. But <laughs> uh, called Aphrodite, Aphrodite 9, um, which is from Top Cow. 
uh, Atomic Robo, a free comic book day offering, which... Sorry, something... Atomic Robo is really great, by the way, you guys. Mm-hmm. I keep meaning to talk about this, but I can't find my like volume one to refresh myself, but totally worth checking out. Seriously, it's rocking. Yeah. Um, Adam Shaw, who's a contributor to the, 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 the site, is a huge, huge fan of Atomic Robo. Um, there you go. Words. Yeah. <laughs> and he actually... Uh, he actually gifted me uh, like a comicsology copy of the the first volume, which oh, nice. I still have not read yet. But I promise, Adam, I will read it. Um, Bobby, what's wrong with you? I'm not. It's not, okay. I still have all it. three volumes of Bobby's Crisis books. Yes, yeah, true. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a good person. Um, uh, <laughs> there is a sampling of uh, the comics based on the new line of uh, Marvel cartoons. Avengers Assemble and Hulk Agents of Smash that'll be out. Mm. Um, a Bleeding Cool magazine, uh, a Buck Rogers free comic book day. Ooh. Um, uh, Mr. Puzzle. Capstone presents Mr. Puzzle. Let's see what Mr. Puzzle is about, everybody. Uh, <laughs> it's a plot. <laughs> I am excited. <clears throat> it's, uh, who is Mr. Puzzle, you ask? That's what we're oh, asking. He's a puzzle. I bet he's a puzzle. <laughs> well, he's the perfect fit for any problem, of course, and Capstone <laughs> brings him Get to it, you. F- the fit. <laughs> and Capstone brings you for the perfect price free. Follow Mr. Puzzle on two exclusive Nervosern adventures by Chris Elio Iliopoulos. Watch the superhero stretch, bend, shrink, and grow, all to keep the folks of Busyville safe. Don't miss this two for none of fun with Mr. Puzzle. Is that the old books? Um, crap. Like the uh, Mr. Angry and Miss. Um, I can't remember no. the hell. No, you sure? No, like Miss Sunshine, <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine. And... But Busy Towns. Oh wait, no, Busy Towns the one with the worms. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm like flying back into my childhood. Probably not even my my childhood, but somebody else's. <laughs> Ignore me. Never mind. <laughs> I'm flying into someone else's childhood. That's probably not mine. Is that what you said? Yes. Oh well, you know. There's no LSD and... in this water. Apparently not. Magic school bus time. Um, <clears throat> from Dynamite, we have a free comic book day, uh, Damsels, uh, which is a little mermaid has been captured by a cruel wizard who intends to keep her locked away forever, but help comes in the form of a valiant one-legged tin soldier whose heart is far bigger than he is. Can the little mermaid escape vicious captor with nothing but a talking toy to guide her? Find out in this fairy tale for all ages written by Matthew Sturges, Jack of Fables, and he also has written Doctor Who. Ooh. Um, so and another little mermaid. Matt Sturges is a cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> all right um <laughs> endorsement i've got nothing else to say uh, <laughs> says it all yeah. uh dc much like marvel is doing uh a dc nation sampler of their shows but where the batman and teen titans go um disney has a tinkerbell uh, free comic book day uh coming out uh there is a dragon ball uh and raruni kenshin uh uh free comic day offering um <laughs> Uh, we have Endangered Weapon B. Uh, f- uh, we have Prince Valiant. Is it's that a the Mark Schultz? What? The one that's in the newspapers now. Prince Valiant's still in the newspaper. It must be, someday. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yes. Um, Gossamer. Call of Go- the... Gossamer, the Warner Brothers giant orange monster Gossamer? Uh, it doesn't look like it. No. But... No, that's too bad. I'd have bought that one or <laughs> stolen that and one. It's like part of, it's, I think it's part of Stuff of Legend. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. Because um, I think, let me see, because it says Stuff of Legend under the title, but I, I have no interest in finding Gossamer, but Stuff of Legend, I hear great things about. Stuff of yeah, Legend it is, is part of 
Oh, no, sorry. Also in this issue, the saga of the New York Times bestselling graphic novel, The Stuff of Legend. Okay. So Stuff of Legend is phenomenal. Yeah. It's included, not necessarily really a part of it. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Um, good, good to know. Uh, we have uh, a book called Fubar. Uh, <laughs> those are messed up. Oh, they uh, are? Sarah and Ted Bell bought those from the oh, guys at the yes. conventions. The yeah. it's zombies during World War Two and yeah, this looks like zombies during the Revolutionary War because it looks like, like ferals, Napoleon, harmable or something. Like that. Oh, this is nasty, nasty yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But very, very well done. Yeah, in- interesting yeah. stuff. Um, the New York Times best-selling zombie series Fubar returns with an all-new free comic book day one-shot. This 32-page issue contains four stories that span the entire American experience from Valley Forge to present day. It's George Washington. <laughs> I don't know my people. Yeah, don't correct me if you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I can. I don't have my glasses on, and it's a mm-hmm. tiny image, okay? Mm-hmm. It could be anyone with a funny hat on. It was George Washington, though. He's this the only Napoleon. one with wooden teeth. Yeah, um, we've got a uh, free comic day Grimm based on the NBC series, uh, a Valiant 2013 <laughs> Harbinger War special, uh, a Judge Dredd Classics free comic book day, um, Kellerman Lamore, which is uh, a sampler, which apparently is a graphic novel of an uh, uh, of a novel, much like the Richard Sarks Parker stuff, um, Marble Season which looks like it has cool art. I'm going to read about what it is. We have a Mass Effect um, free comic book day offering from Dark Horse. Uh, we, of course, we're going to be speaking to Jamal Igel and Jeremy Whitley uh, very soon. Uh, they have their Molly Danger Princeless uh, combination coming Definitely out. Definitely should check that out. Uh, which the actually sent us an advanced copy of it. it. It's great. Definitely, guys, check that out. And it's free. So um, this is from uh, Drawn and Quarterly. This is the uh, Marvel season. It continues its FCPD tradition of offering the best free comic in the industry by publishing an exclusive expert of its lead spring 2013 book by legendary alternative cartoonist Gilbert Hernandez of Love and Rockets fame. Sweet. Uh, Marble Season is a semi-autobiographical epic about a group of kids growing up in the 1960s seen through the eyes of a young boy. Comics and popular culture of all the day will dominate the proceedings and tell the untold story of one of the medium's greatest and most respected artists. Um, the SVPD has no nudity and no swearing, and it will serve as a great preview for the upcoming book of the same yeah. name, which will be one of D&Q's lead titles of 2013. Yeah. The real book has plenty of swearing and nudity, though, <laughs> so beware. Um, we have uh, a mouse guard uh, and rust flip book. Seriously? Or the wow. same thing. Yeah. Really? Coming out of Archaea. Yeah. Ooh. Um, speaking of mouse guard, just super quickly, David Peterson currently has this amazing brave poster like it's a mondo poster uh-huh. and i think he's almost out of them but like they're 150 bucks but they're gorgeous if you're familiar with mondo prints like, yeah they're awesome oh, they're amazing yeah and they sell and out he, almost immediately yeah. and he did one for brave and you guys like if i had 150 dollars at this at the moment that they went on sale it would have been sold in an instant it's gorgeous so look <laughs> it up have you seen the funko pop figure for brave yet no it's adorable <laughs> Um, we have the Rush Zone based on the, the, the cartoon series. Um, Overstreet Comic Book Marketplace uh, is free on Free Comic Book Day. That's what's on here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've got a Fippy Long stocking. Oh, yeah, uh, sorry, I spoiled that one. It's another drawn and, and quarterly. Um, it was the second FCB title for the first time this year, and it will feature one of the world's most beloved and popular characters, Pippi Longstocking. The Pippi Longstocking color special will offer a sneak peek at the brand new Pippi Longstocking title that DQ will publish in May 2013 to coincide with Free Comic Book Day. Um, so there you go. 
Uh, it also has a reprint of an older story. Uh, Although as well. she is not my favorite redheaded heroine from you know my youth. Okay. Who is? Anne of Green Gables, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Carry on, everyone. All right. Um, <laughs> I only saw that in black and white, so I never knew. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, this is uh, we have a uh, Ramayan, uh, three three ninety two A.D. Reloaded, which is a. Uh, <laughs> Ron Mars is the writer and Jim Starlin and various other artists oh. do the thing. Uh, the original Blueskin Avatar returns in these epic tales of Rama from the hit Ramayan 30, 3392 AD series set in a time 2000 years in the future and against a backdrop of one of the most immortal mythological tales of all time. The book reimagines one of the most epic tales in history and the special origins issue provides all the information on the myriad characters and settings of the series. Clicking short stories written by Ron Mars and illustrated by leading talents such as Michael Evan Oming, Luke Ross, Bart Sears, Jim Starlin, and Dave Peterson. See, I should care, and I don't. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Okay. It's free. Well, no, the talent. The talent's good. But, like, you have to wait in line. Well, not those. necessarily. What are you talking about? What are you, what are you talking what about? What are you talking about, Will? I live in Toronto. Do you think they're going to give away free comics and there's not going to be a lineup? Don't be silly. <laughs> okay. Back of her. Yeah, from Oni Press, we have Rated Free for Everyone, which is uh, uh, featuring two stories by two incredibly talented creators, a new Krogan's Adventure by Chris Schweizer, an introduction to Merman, a new story by Joey Weiser. Um, in the Merman Adventure, Merman goes with Pete and his human classmates to the zoo. And the Corgan's Adventure, you'll get an epilogue to the story of one of the brothers from Corgan's Loyalty. So this is an ongoing thing oh. for Oni. Merman! <laughs> I got the black as... long pop. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's a book called Scratch Nine coming out, so old. Uh, which has cats all over it. <laughs> uh, Scratch Nine, the world's greatest superhero cat, returns for Free Comic Book Day with special reprint of issue number one of the title and features a new cover art by Armand Vorant Jr. Scratch Nines, as fans of the title already know, is the Eisner Award-nominated all-ages comic book featuring a cat with the ability to summon any of his nine lives to aid him in his adventure. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> okay, that actually is legit. I was going to make fun of it, but I actually kind of want that. <laughs> You're going to have to wait online. Yeah. I probably won't, but that's cool. Okay. <laughs> um, I will uh, find it on eBay. Uh, a lot of the times they release them digitally afterwards. Uh, from Liquid Comics, we've got uh, Chakara, Chakra, the Invincible. Wait, didn't we miss Sonic? Well, that's... Chaka Khan. Uh, oh, we did miss <laughs> Sonic. Yes, there's the Sonic the Hedgehog Mega Man flipbook. Sorry. Thank you, Stephanie, for pointing You're that welcome. out. Carry on. Okay. Uh, I thought you'd then say something about it. It's Sonic. What do you want to do? I don't know. Hey, Rob loves the Sonic. He freaked out uh, last week at the Sonic and uh, whatever Mega uh, Man Mega Man crossover. Mm -hmm. He squeed. Um, (laughs) This we have uh, Chakra. Chakra is a new comic from Stan Lee. Uh, From the mind of legendary creator Stan Lee comes his newest superhero, Chakra the Invincible. Chakra tells the story of an Indian, young Indian teenager, Raja, Raju Rai, a technology genius living in Mumbai. Determined to use science to unlock the secrets of human potential, Raju develops a technological suit that activates the mystic chakras of the body, unleashing newfound abilities and powers. That sounds pretty amazing. Well, let's see. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, we have Steam Engines of Oz, which is like a steampunk Wizard of Oz. Ooh. Uh, Strangers, number one. Don't take the candy. I don't know uh, what this is, but the cover looks really cool. Right. Well, it's uh, it's Chris Roberson uh, is the writer. I need a damn Press. iPad. I want to see these too. The last thing you want to see is my is my hands. They're called the Strangers. They're deadly, dangerous, and you'll never see them unless you unless they want you to. <gasps> 
He's but, the groper. Yeah. But now they've come up against something big. United States government big. A cover-up of international proportions. The center of it all is the stranger's deadliest foe. A man only known as Capricorn. A man who knows the strangers. A man who sees them. <gasps> New from Chris Roberson. Yeah. So there we go. I, I will read that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I will um, read the shit The out story of, it. of left hand and right hand. Yeah. The Red Ten, number zero. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you don't have enough mustache was, to twirl, though, when you do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, it cover was, looks like Joker meets Deadpool. It does. It does. It's based, yes, it it's, does. Yeah, it goes into mm-hmm. something, um, a maxi series that came out uh, previously. Um, well, let's see what it's else like we got here. We have uh, a, new, a new Tick Free Comic Book Day, which has old wow. stories, but Boom. also a brand new story. With Arthur? Uh it says the FCPD NEC Press offers fans both old and new a full color 32 page comic book with an all new full length tick story. Plus, exciting all new backup features as well. A day at the beach starts out innocently enough for the tick Arthur Bumbling Bee yes. and their friends until the tick encounters an invasion force from under the sea. A story sure to be enjoyed by existing tick fans as well as suitable to introduce new readers to the world of the tick and his cohorts. There we go. I used to love that cartoon when I was a kid. Um, top Shelf Kids Club. Uh, we have a Valiant Masters Showcase, and finally, Worlds of Aspen, um, which I don't know what that is, but I'm going to... It's gonna about re- skiing. Aspen. Yeah. Uh, it's written I don't by, think it's about skiing. It's written by... Uh, it doesn't look like it's about skiing, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, JT How do they Kroll, spell it? Uh, and Fathom? It's F-A-T-H-O-M. Like no, under, no, Aspen. Oh, Aspen? Because Steve was saying it differently than I think it's spelled. A-S-P-E-N? No, he was saying it with two S's and an I. <laughs> Oh, I'm stuck in uh, Dumb and Dumber. I just watched it oh, okay. two Sorry. weeks ago, and the, when they go to Aspen. Moving on, um, it's, it's it's the it's the uh, publisher, I believe. Aspen is Aspen Comics, oh. um, and it's uh, Aspen is proud to celebrate its 10th anniversary as planning its largest initiative ever, including this year's jam-packed World of Aspen 2013 Free Comic Day Flipbook. Join Aspen Comics as they reveal exclusive in-depth content for all their exciting 10 for 10 titles, which debut all year long. Aspirin is also offering two completely brand new stories, s- stories, starting with Michael Turner's Fathom, kicking off this summer's upcoming thriller Fathom event. Fathom writers David Wall and Vince Hernandez, along with seasoned Fathom scribe J.T. Kroll, deliver an exclusive 12-page free comic book day story featuring the brilliant regular series art team of Alex Konat and Beth Sotelo. Top it all Wait, off. Chris? Sorry? Stephanie? Oh, no, carry on. I'll be snarky after. And to top it all off, Worlds of Aspen 2013 will showcase a world premiere preview of Peter Stigwald's upcoming new Aspen series, Zunity. All I was going to say is this would be helpful if, you know, they didn't say Aspen 14 times in that description and actually explained what it was. Or not, sorry, Aspen Fathom. Okay. <laughs> well, they don't really explain it. They don't. Like, no, they don't. They just talk about Fathom, but don't actually... Mm you what it is and the by the way i skipped over the, the valiant masters uh free comic book day is a kind of collection of original valiant universe stories in free comic oh. book day offering um so that's what's coming out for free comic book day um uh, here locally uh jim lee and scott snyder are doing a signing at, at fourth world um so that will be exciting uh you know uh obviously tour our regular shop is doing uh a free their free comic book day yes uh they also um they have a website now which I believe is tor-comics.com. And uh, they also now uh, have a Twitter at Tor Comics. So you guys should follow them uh, <laughs> if you get a chance. Uh, so that's that's what's going on for your comic book day. Um, I hope you guys are interested in some of the stuff we talked about. Hey! Get, sorry, what? I get cool shit too. 
What do you in mean? In Toronto, Scotty Young's doing a signing. You're all complaining about you're not going to go to free comic because you have to wait in a freaking line. That's not true. I'll totally wait in the line. Okay. <laughs> but you totally, like, I'll go to the shop and everything. You have to mm. wait in the line for all the free comics and such, and I don't know how many of them I would collect. But right. there's still cool stuff going on in Toronto at the Silver Snail. Scotty Young signing, and he has a cool original poster that he's designed for their 37th <sighs> year. Awesome. Yeah. And Steve wants then one. there's like yeah. Kalman all I can't say his last name. Kalman. I know Kalman Andronovsky. Who is like doing Captain Canuck. Yeah, Canadian superheroes. <laughs> so nice. you know, cool stuff. In Toronto. Awesome. Very young. Yay. Awesome. <laughs> uh <Yay>. so <laughs> This is going on for Free Comic Book Day. Um, we're going to bring on now uh, Jamal Eigel and Jeremy Whitley to talk about their Free Comic Book Day offering and and just you know how they got started in the business and their opinions on uh, you know f- female characters and, and just the state of the industry. So it was a great chat, and we hope you guys enjoy it. All right, we are back. And as promised, uh, we have two very special guests with us. We have Jamal Eigel, who is the creator of Molly Danger, and Jeremy Whitley, who's the creator of Princeless, both of which are sharing a free comic book on Free Comic Book Day, which is this Saturday, uh, May the 4th, uh, from Action Lab Comics. Jamal and Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Comics. Oh, thanks for having us. Oh, Great to be here. Of course, of course. Um, so why don't we start right out, you know... Um, these might be two properties that people, you know, don't really know. So Jamal, why don't you go first? Tell everybody about Molly Danger, and then Jeremy, talk about Princeless, um, and talk about also Action Lab and kind of their mission statement and such. Okay. Well, Molly Danger is the story of the world's most powerful ten-year-old superhero, who's been ten years old for the last twenty years. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um... <laughs> so I, she, the, she is. Inhumanly strong and eternally childlike. All right. I like it. Definitely. Um, and uh, Jeremy, give us the pitch on Princeless. Uh, Princeless is a story of a uh, princess named Adrian who's locked away in a tower by her evil parents and uh, decides to rescue herself rather than waiting around to be saved. So she teams up with her uh, guardian dragon, whose name is Sparky, and they decide to uh, run off to save her sisters, who are all similarly locked up. Awesome, awesome. And uh, first of all, you know, how did you guys uh, come to have your books published through Action Lab? And how did the Free Comic Book Day partnership, because it's coming out within the same book, correct? How did that come about? Well, uh, Jeremy, you go first. (laughs) All right. Um, Yeah, my my experience with uh, Action Lab, I I thought was unique, but seems to be one of those uh, kind of eternal comic book stories. where like I was at Heroes Con in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, and I was uh, boothed right next to uh, Dave Dwanch, um, who is uh, one of the founders of Action Lab, which didn't exist at that point. Um, but we had a terrible day of sales. Like we just uh, were back there in the back corner, seeing no traffic, and just literally just sitting there talking to each other and listening to each other's pitches all day. Um, which I think every every comic book creator that's gone to a convention has had that happen at some point. You you can memorize the guy next to you pitches by the end of the day. Um, but then, um, you know, the, in fact, so many of like our our good friends had had bad days there that they all kind of got together at the bar later. Um, there were a bunch of guys that make comics, and they um, decided that they needed 
to figure out something else. They needed to find a better way to promote their creator-owned stuff. So um, what they ended up doing was uh, founding Action Lab, which is a, uh, a company that does mostly creator-owned stuff. It's all uh, original content. Um, you know, we do a couple licensed books, but everything else is uh, creator-owned. Um, and as it happens, you know, Dave and I had swapped books um, during the convention, and he sent me an email, you know, a month or so later that was uh, really excited about, you know, the first issue of Princeless that I had there. Um, and, you know, was telling me how much he wished that he'd gotten to work on a book like that. Um, and as it turned out, my, uh, my artist had kind of flaked on me, so I didn't have anybody working on the book anymore. So I said, uh, well, I guess we're in luck. <laughs> we can do it. So I got, I, I got kind of roped in through working convention stuff and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time publicizing and pushing the, the first volume of Princeless um, as it was coming up. Um, so much so that they asked me to kind of join on as part of the company and, um, you know, handle the PR side of things for all of the new books that are coming out. Awesome, awesome. And Jamal, what about you? I actually knew uh, most of the Action Lab guys before there was an Action Lab as well. I had met uh, Sean, David, uh, Sean Pryor, uh, Sean Gabarin, Dave Dwanch. Chad Ciccone and Kevin Freeman at various shows over the years, you know, got to know them. And uh, when I was originally uh, putting Molly Danger together for the uh, the Kickstarter pitch, um, it just seemed like a natural fit to go with them rather than to go to... Uh, to image or you know take it to dark horse or somebody somebody else because partially it was partially uh selfishness on my part mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> just it was just really well you know it, i there, there was a part of me that just sort of felt i would be more comfortable being a, a slightly bigger fish in a smaller pond than you know, going to Image and just being another Image creator, mm-hmm. and the other part of it was you know they're my friends, and I thought that whatever you know profile that I have could help them out if I brought Molly Danger to Action Lab. So that's basically how that happened. Awesome. Yeah, because Jamal's been doing this a little bit longer than I have. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bob. Sure, uh, Jamal. I'm a Kickstarter supporter of Molly Danger, and I was very taken with your video about how you want to make sure you had something for your daughter to be able to read. And Thank then, having you. then come uh, across Princess as well, Jeremy actually sent me an email, and the same thing applies. Now, uh, both you gentlemen are doing, you know, an all ages book that truly is that. It doesn't come across as kiddish. It's got all these layers for all of us grown up readers and sly little digs and innuendos and fun stuff, mm-hmm. and you know, strong female leads. How did that? come about where did you decide to go in that direction a reaction to other things in the industry perhaps i think for me it was just sort of a culmination of a lot of different things i mean i wasn't even thinking in those regards when i originally created molly about a decade ago you know when i originally came up with the idea with my friend rich it was more just about getting what would be a funky idea out out (laughs) there in terms of like, I mean, it, it was originally an animation pitch. Oh. So, you know, we wanted to do something that was in a similar enough vein to, you know, Kim Possible or, you know, 
know, Juniper Lee or, you know, the Powerpuff Girls, that, you know, it would be something that we felt that we could pitch to an animation company they'd be interested in. But what's happened over the last 10 years is not only have i grown as a person, I've grown as an artist, I've become a father, I've become a husband, I've had the opportunity to work on, you know, female-centric characters, like, you know, Supergirl and Zatanna, and really getting the opportunity to not just work on female characters and kind of form my own opinion about how they should be portrayed, but also talking to, you know, women who are into comics and into speculative fiction and, you know, sci-fi movies and horror movies and, and what have you. And really having, in certain cases, some really in-depth conversations about not just media, but how things are advertised towards women. I remember having this conversation with this, with this woman who worked in gaming. And who who did uh, PR for gaming because I used to do uh, PR as well. And one of the things that we actually ended up coming to a consensus about because she was really complaining about how female game characters are sometimes portrayed and how that sort of all ties in together. And then I was making the point to her that it's not just women that are bombarded by these sexually provocative images, men are bombarded as well. We're constantly, you know, Stephanie, you may not be aware of this. <laughs> we are the and guys back me up on this. We basically, as men in, in this society now, are basically told, look, but don't touch. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you can, you know, we're going to throw all of these naked, half naked, you know, <laughs> women at you. And there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. You, know, you just have to sit there and uh, sit there and take it. Now, I don't necessarily, uh, don't necessarily think that that was their intention, or maybe it is their intention. I mean, I've cer <laughs> certainly sat in enough meetings over the years with guys where that was their actual intention, and some women as well. But... That has an effect as well. You know, the, the, it's detrimental all around. There's, there's a real problem with, especially for younger, for younger kids, there's a real problem with over-sexualization in all media across the board. So when I started reworking the idea for Molly, and this was, you know, after I'd spent, you know, pretty much you know, spent two years working on Supergirl at this point after the, the infamous shorts controversy and everything yeah. else. Um, I really had to sit down, you know, I, you know, talking to my friends, talking to my wife, talking to my mom, talking to my nieces, looking at, you know, looking at the kind of material that was being published, especially in terms of superheroes, because it really isn't, to me, there really aren't that many gateway books left. Like mm -hmm, the, totally. the types of books where you feel comfortable enough giving it to a younger reader because without having to scour it first and make sure that there isn't like an errant rim being, limb, rim, errant, errant <laughs> limb being ripped off. 
Yeah. You know, just very casually or, you know, or what have you. And there, there really aren't that many books left anymore. And there just it seems, especially with like the stuff that DC's doing with the New 52 and what, a lot of what Marvel is doing with Marvel now, they've, they've sort of abandoned younger readers in order to court older readers. So I wanted to do something that I would want to read. You know, I wanted to, to create something that I would feel comfortable giving to my daughter and to my nieces, to, you know, to my friends, kids, boys and girls, but something on the same level, at least my attempt is to, to emulate the type of writing style that was done for old Warner Brothers cartoons or what Pixar does you know, for for their mm-hmm. properties, so that all just sort of it, it all just sort of came together. Great, that's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jeremy, how about you? Um, yeah, it was. It's always been a big thing for me that I wanted to, um, I wanted to be able to share comics with you know the people I care about, especially, um, you know, my daughter and um, my wife, and you know, my wife is one of those sort of mythical lapsed female comic book readers um, that, you know, she used to read Teen Titans back when, you know, she was younger and, um, you know, there was a a good variety of of stories there. Um, And it's, it's been fewer and fewer books that, you know, she feels like she can read her younger sisters have come up without that kind of book um, for the most part at all. Um, And, you know, especially being, you know, women of color, there's almost nothing out there. And especially, you know, for younger readers that they can latch on to. Um, I mean, there's, there's very few, um, you know, comics with lead women that I'd want to share with my daughter. Um, granted she's two, so she probably wouldn't understand them anyway. (laughs) Um, but you know, once, once she gets to that age, I want to be able to share the, my love of comic books with her and certainly, you know, once she gets to, you know, be 16, 18, I want to be able to share stuff like, um, you know, Why the Last Man and Saga and things like that. But while she's a kid, uh, there's things I'd like to be able to, I'd like to be able to give her comics and have her feel the same way about it that I do. Um, and that was, you know, a large part of my mission statement behind um, Princeless is I wanted to have... Um, a comic that you know I would feel good about her reading, that had a character that she could relate to, and that I would feel good about her emulating. Um, not to mention, you know, I wanted to um, I wanted to have something out there that I I could share and feel good about sharing with, you know, other people to share with their kids too. Well, that's great. Adrian has some wonderful lines that, if you don't mind me just quoting some of them and, and then you know, jump on from there. You know, I'm not a little girl anymore. I'm a knight. You know, why can't I just be a hero? You know, in, in so many stories where the princesses are sort of, they stand there and they're pretty. And as Adrian's sister is at one point, she has a whole village devoted to people, you know, uh, idolizing her. Uh, but Adrian gets to do stuff. Not always successfully, but she's in there pitching. <laughs> Yeah, and that's, um, I mean, that's a, a big thing for me that, you know, when when I found out uh, that we were having a daughter, I remember going into, 
I guess it was a target and just kind of like walking down the, that Pepto-Bismol pink girl's aisle <laughs> and just being like, I don't, I don't have anything against pink. I don't have anything against things being girly, but I think Sleeping Beauty is a pretty lame person to look up to. I mean, <laughs> she literally sleeps her entire story <laughs> until she is rescued. And then the story is over. That's her job is to sleep. Um, you know, and I, I wanted to have a, a princess that, um, you know, was an action hero that, that actually, you know, saved herself and got to do things and, um, you know, the kind of things that boys get to do in the comics about boys. As she points out early on, there are too many plot holes in these princess stories that she's not thrilled with. <laughs> so she wants to tell her own story. Um, along those lines, who are your favorite heroines then in literature? Comics or otherwise? Um, Jamal or Jeremy, anyone wants to jump in? Be my guest. That's a big question. You you got anybody comes to mind, Jamal? As far as what? Favorite heroines uh, from either comics or somewhere else in literature? For me? Yeah. Favorite heroines? Uh, well, let's see. There's characters like Ellen Ripley. Uh, you know, I mean, I pretty much grew up on the Alien movies, and Ellen was always presented as a really powerful, you know, strong, powerful female character. I mean, you got the obvious ones. You got like Xena and Wonder Woman, and you know, Ellen Ripley or Sarah Connor from the Terminator movies, or um, from literature. From literature, not so much from literature because you know, my brain explodes sometimes <laughs> when it comes to to reading novels. A, a lot of times. Women don't come across that well in novels, mm -hmm. unfortunately, sure. unless they're you know it's you know a, a romance book. You know, generally, especially like a lot of like sci-fi novels, women don't really come across that well to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, Miss now Captain Marvel. Um, you know, and have been for a while, and I really love you know what Kelly Sue's doing her with with her right now. Um, I really enjoy that book, and I feel like um, that character has a definite voice that, you know, in some cases she's been lacking in the past. Um, and I, I'm really enjoying that book. Um, I've got, like, I really, you know, I'm reading both the books with uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, and them, and uh, I really, I like what both, you know, Hawkeye and Young Avengers are doing with her. Um, and, uh, and I've got a lot. I, I feel like I could list uh, a lot of these all day. I've, I've always been a huge fan of uh, Storm, though, um, although I feel like she's been kind of roughly treated in the last couple years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, a big one that stands out for me as being an early one for me was um, Eowyn in The Lord of the Rings. Um, she was a, a character that I... Uh, you know, fell in love with early when I was reading those books in elementary school and, um, you know, really stuck out as a, a strong character for me. Actually, one of my favorite female characters and talking about this just completely brought her back into my mind and not a lot of people know who she is, is Sundra Peel from Nexus. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> Who's that? Basically, she started out as... Uh, spy. If you're familiar, if you're not familiar with the with Nexus, it was created by Mike Barron and Steve Root. And the basic idea behind Nexus is uh, 
Horatio Hellpop, who is Nexus, was a killer of serial murder of serial uh, serial killers. He was given cosmic powers by an alien, and basically, he would get these dreams, these prophetic dreams, in his sleep. Sundra starts out as a spy for what who would be end up becoming the mother of Horatio's children, but over the years actually evolves into this really powerful uh, influence on Horatio and sort of turning him away from the darker elements of his life. So I always really enjoyed her as a character. Is that a graphic novel or is that uh, it's a, it was a series in the eighties. You mm-hmm. can, you can, there, you can find like the trade paperbacks through dark horse. And there's a lot of them. There's like 50 of them. Really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, it ran for like a couple of hundred issues back in the 80s. Oh, wow. Surprise so, I, I was thinking uh, a couple that stand out to me and I know you guys have been uh, big fans of, of Rachel rising. I listened to the, the podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> if, um, I don't know if you guys have read Terry Moore's earlier *Strangers in Paradise*, um, but I'm a big fan of Kachu and Francine, who are the yeah. two main characters Those, in that. Nice. Um, who are brilliantly well-written women, you know, not always heroic women, even just, you know, characters that are real and strong characters. Because I think, like, um, that's something that has kind of stood out to me over time. Is like I. Um, I was in a, a panel last year at, at Denver um, about uh, you know women in comics, and uh, Gail Simone was saying you know that the the idea of strong female characters needs to take a backseat to the strong character part. Like they need to be a strong character and be female, not that they need to be just a a tough woman. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so how did your guys' partnership on this free comic book day book, uh, happen? I think I pushed for it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think we were, we were talking about it. Like we wanted to do a free comic book day book, you know, um, last year was the first year that we would have really had a chance to do it. And, um, we didn't get around to it in time. And this year, you know, we were discussing it and it's like, well, you know, we're doing two free comic book day books. One focuses mainly on our, um, like we have an uh, NFL Rush Zone comic, which is tied into the, the Nickelodeon cartoon. So it's more of a boys book. And, um, you know, obviously we wanted to uh, to push Molly. And when they started talking about it, I was like, well, surely Jamal doesn't want to do the entire 24 pages. Maybe we can slip in a princeless story in there, too. And I can get him to draw a cover with my my characters on it. That would be okay right (laughs) so yeah i i just kind of slid that one in um because i think i don't don't think there was any question that you know with the um you know with jamal's reputation and the success of the kickstarter and everything that that was going to be something that you know coming this time when it's in previews that we wanted to push um and so i uh i wanted to piggyback on that (laughs) They share the same audience, I would think, and if you can grow them both together that way. Oh, sure. great, absolutely. Yeah. Now, I also hear, Jamal, there's an audio comic book coming for Molly? Yes, it's, it's being produced by the Audio Comics Company, and it will be debuting. We're, we, we're actually going to record it 
in June, and it should be out in the summer. That's awesome. So it's going to so awesome. be a flat-out, just old-school-style radio play. That's great. Um, <laughs> is it going to be... You know, I, I know that um, the book, uh, the JMS, Ben Templesmith book that's coming out today, actually, 10 Grand, has a QR code in the back of it. You scan it, and it gives you, there's an audio version of the book there as well. Is that how you're doing it, or are you doing something different? Um, we're still trying to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sell us a CD. I'm very old fashioned. I, I take oh, a yeah, vinyl no, record it's, album. It's, actually, it's it's gonna it's gonna be. There are gonna be CDs. It's gonna be available on iTunes. You know, <laughs> it, you won't have to read the comic book necessarily to follow the audio book. Like I said, it's going to be. It's, it's a radio show. It's gonna Love you know it. fully sound and additional dialogue and you know just stuff to make stuff to to enhance the audio experience. But it will be the the story from book one. Fantastic. Nice. Uh, we we uh, did that, a radio great. play last year. We did. Yeah. <laughs> we have another one in the hopper, yeah. too. Um, no, that, that, that's yeah. awesome. And uh, Jamal, how are you liking this experience of kind of being out on your own and doing your own creator stuff compared to when you were doing the work for hire over at DC? It, there, there's, a, there's so much more involved. Like I, Because I used to work at editorial as well, mm-hmm. and I'd forgotten just how much of a separate job that is right and then you throw you know having to do the creative the creative work writing and drawing the book you know communicating with everybody from the the editor there that i'm working with adam nave to my creative team to talking to the publisher talking to jeremy talking to the printer just you know trying to arrange these other deals like the audio comic it's just it's exhausting there's a lot there's a lot of work involved. you know you can't you know i can't just shut off my brain and just you know just draw because you know i i found with with the <laughs> i found as i'm drawing the book and getting pretty close to the end at this point and as i'm drawing the book and looking at the script that i wrote I can't blame anybody else because <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at the script and I'm just going, why did I write that? Because you thought it would be cool, Jamal. Well, it, it, it is cool, but it's like another six hours worth of work on this page. Why are you doing this to yourself? But, but at the same time, I've, I've never been happier creatively. Yeah, I've never felt this fulfilled as a creator and uh, you know i've done a lot of stuff over the years you know i've been doing this for a long time Mm -hmm. but this is the first time where i'm actually more nervous about how i'll be received as a writer as compared to being received as an artist because i'm used to people seeing my artwork but this will you know even though i've I've done some writing before this is sort of my writing coming out party Mm -hmm. and you know this is something that like in the case with the Free Comic Book Day story, this that opening sequence has been in my head for a decade. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I, I can attest, having seen uh, a lot of Jamal's uh, original pencils, that this is a man who is not easy on himself when he <laughs> sets up scenes. Um, like he, he just actually sent out some pencils for his stuff. There's a scene in a playground, and the playground, there are at least like three or four different things set up in the playground and i've got to say 
like 20 distinct trees all <laughs> like all the foliage and the entire tree and he's got cars in the background and it's just I I look at this and I'm like somebody is just mean to their artist. Oh, it's him. <laughs> George crazy. Perez would be proud. I, I, every I would, leaf I, and every stick. Yeah, I I would like to think so. I, I, I the the interesting thing about this whole process is because it's mine and because I feel more comfortable posting you know little glimpse of what I've been doing, you know, I'm getting responses from my peers that I don't think that I would have normally have gotten had I just been working on somebody else's project. So that, that's been really, really gratifying as well. It's, it's been, you know, you know, amazing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy, I, we, we've been trying to avoid specifics because I don't want to, we don't want to ruin jokes for anybody here, but there's something I really have to discuss with you here. Uh, the third issue uh, on sexism in the armor industry is one of my favorite moments in comics in the last, I don't know, five or 10 years. It is hysterically funny, but so cogent, so right about what's happening. You know, when Bedelia, who's just a great character, shows off the Warrior Woman collection, <laughs> you know, and the Sonya, for instance, you know, wouldn't that give you a wedgie? What if I get, uh, what if I get stabbed in the stomach? What yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Listen to Diana. Uh, how did that... I know how it must have come to you, but that must have been very pleasing to be able to get all that onto onto paper. Yeah, um, it was incredibly fun to write, so much so that I thought, like, I, I kept thinking along the way that somebody was going to stop me. <laughs> because I was like, all right, I'm just going to do almost an entire issue of this comic where I just relentlessly make fun of comic books and... Uh, fantasy tropes like where I just pick on these things that have been you know driving me nuts but um, you know you know some of these people in in editorial and professionals just seem to think it's a normal thing for you know girls to run around in bikinis that are actually made out of chain mail like <laughs> it's you know just entirely impractical from a physical sense beyond like actually having to fight people in them um and I, you know, I was I was writing it, and I was like, all right, well, I'm I'm being super preachy. I'm definitely, you know, my editor's going to say something to me, and uh, you know, I'm going to have to change some of this. And it didn't happen. And then, like, we sent it, you know, sent it off to my artist Mia, and she drew it as it was written, and um, you know, kept all the all the jokes and all the uh, obvious pokes at you know existing characters and conventions in there. Um, including kind of blatantly making fun of Wonder Woman um, repeatedly. Um, and uh, I was like, all right, well, I guess this is going out, and people will just tear it to pieces once it comes out. And it got it got nominated for an Eisner for Best Single Issue, and I, I still am waiting for somebody to tell me how, uh, how <laughs> ab above my uh, grade I'm writing on that, like... And, just to, to shoot me down on it. So, no, it was brilliant. It's that thing. It's about levels. You know, it's it's funny as funny, but it's also just says so much. Um, probably our last question. But we've taken up so much of your time so far. Will we have a chance to ever see a crossover between the two books? You're in the same book, but actually time traveling somehow or something. 
Um, I think there's a possibility. <laughs> okay. At some point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'd 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 be happy to see it happen. I uh, I know Jamal is is piling a, a ton of work on himself already. So last thing I'd want to do is uh, dash off a script with uh, hundreds of trees in it. They are all of Sparky scales. Draw each single one of them. <laughs> I'm crazy enough to do it. Believe. Me. <laughs> oh, I know. I have fun. a I have a copy of yours, a tanner print. It's hanging proudly in my kitchen that I picked up oh, at the New York yeah. Comic Con, which is. <laughs> I, there's, it's like every little thing in the street and every little fold in someone's jackets on that that baby. Yeah, that was actually with the cover for Free Comic Book Day. That was one of the the, the most difficult things that I had to do is because I had to pull back because I wanted Sparky to look like Sparky and not you know a super ultra realistic version of Sparky. <laughs> Sparky has to have that smile and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I had I had to 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 keep that that levity for the character in there. You know, awesome. Yeah. That's that's one of those things that I've learned over time with writing for artists is like you have to consider when you when you write things like that somebody's going to have to draw it. Like the first comic that I ever that I ever produced uh, was with my my friend Jason Strutz. Is, uh, the Order of Dagonet, and the first issue of that on the first page, there's one panel in which Buckingham Palace appears, and I was just like, yeah, and then there's Buckingham Palace, and like, I got this angry email at two in the morning, that was like, <laughs> you know how many windows are on Buckingham Palace? <laughs> you know how much drawing that is? So. Make it dark, that's yeah. all. <laughs> so, you know, depth of field. Yeah. Um, so, guys, uh, Jeremy and Jamal, thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, today on Talking Comics. Now, you have uh, the Molly Danger uh, Princeless Free Comic Book Day going to be uh, this Saturday. Uh, what, when else can we see your guys' work coming down the line? And where else can you know listeners get in touch with you guys and see your work? Jeremy? <laughs> uh, well, the biggest thing is we're actually both going to be out um, at stores signing uh, this weekend for Free Comic Book Day. Um, I'm going to be at, uh, ultimate comics in Chapel Hill. Um, right. no, I'm going to be, yeah. And I'll be at, uh, challengers comics and conversation in Chicago. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love challengers. Yeah. Both, both great shops. And, um, you know, beyond that, um, princeless, uh, the second volume is actually coming out right now. The, uh, second issue came out, I, I think a week ago, mm-hmm. the, the next, the third issue will be out next month fourth issue the month after that and hopefully we'll be able to keep going at a pretty good pace from there um and then as far as actually you know getting up with me online i'm always happy to talk to people about (laughs) uh books and sexism and all that fun stuff uh as is obvious um i'm uh, on twitter at jrome58 it's j-r-o-m-e-5-8 and uh i also run a a princeless tumblr which is princelesscomic.tumblr.com where uh i spend a lot of time self-promoting and then making fun of uh, the fact that for some reason the Ultimate Spider-Man uh, action figure series doesn't have a loot cage or a white tiger in it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then you can, all pretty much for me, all you have to do is just type Jamal Eigel in a search engine and you can find <laughs> me at this point. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on 
Google Plus. I'm on LinkedIn. You can go to either my website, which is jamaleigle.com, or you can go to mollydanger.com. Um, as far as the the book itself, it should, if all goes well, it should be out by either late July or August, beginning of August. So, great, awesome. Well, great. Thank and you, guys. Both of the previews. Yeah, it's oh, actually yeah. yeah, it's in previews right now or next month in May previews. Uh, available in May previews. So, <laughs> all right. Well, look up our both in, in May previews. Um, Jamal and Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us on Talking Comics, and good luck with everything. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, again, I want to thank uh, Jamal and Jeremy for joining us. Uh, really generous with their time, and guys, definitely pick up their book, uh, Free Comic Book Day. Um, but Free Comic Book Day is on Saturday. It is Wednesday. What is on the shelves right now? Um, from Archie Comics, we have Archie number 643, Archie Double Digest number 239, and Sonic the Hedgehog number 248. Um, from <laughs> Aspen Comics, we have Kara's Magic Volume 2. Number one. You're making that up. No, I'm not. Scare is magic. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Dan the Unharmable, number 12, and Fashion Beast, number nine. Fashion uh, Beast. Yeah, it's... Fashion Beast comes out every week. It's Alan Moore. Um, Lauren Collins what? will be very excited. <laughs> uh, from uh, Boom Studios, we have Garfield, number 13, Hypernaturals, number 11, Planet of the Apes, Cataclysm, number nine, Polarity, number two, and Suicide Risk, number one. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we have 47 Ronin, number four. Abe Sapien, number two. Yeah. Uh, we have um, uh, Mr. X Eviction, number one of three. Joey very much, Joey Bacino very much like the Zero issue that came out. Uh, Star Wars Dark Times Fire Carrier, number four of five. Uh, from DC Comics, we have Action Comics, number 20. Amy Comic Girls, number three. Blech. Animal Man, number 20. <laughs> Aquaman, number 19. Batwing, number 20. Detective Comics, number 20. Dial H, number 12. Earth 2, number 12. Ferris, number 15. Uh, we've got Girl with Dragon Tattoo, volume 2, hardcover. Uh, Green Arrow, number 20. Legends of the Dark Knight, number 8. Mad Magazine, number 521. We've got The Movement, number one. Ooh. Gail Simone's new book. Yay. Uh, Phantom Stranger, number eight. Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 33. Stormwatch, number 20. We've got Swamp Thing, number 20. And World's Finest, number 12. Hope, hope, hope it's better. Um, from Dynamite Entertainment, we have Army of Darkness, number 13. We've got Black Bat, number one, which is another Pulp Hero thing from mm -hmm. them. Brian Bucciolato, writer of The Flash, is writing this book. Oh, cool. Um, we've got George R. R. Martin's Game of Thrones, number 14. Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 19. We've got Miss Fury, number two. <laughs> Red Sonja Unchained, number two. Uh, Spider. I have to buy that piece of crap, too, because I ordered it. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes, Liverpool Demon, number four of five. Spider-Man, number 11, and Vampirella Strikes, number five. Um, from IDW, we have Colonize, number two. We have Joe Palooka, number six. Joe Palookas. Um, we have Mars Attacks, number 10. Uh, we've got uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Color Classics, number 10. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret History of the Foot Clan, number wow. three. We've got... Uh, Transformer Spotlight Hoist, number one, which is the one shot. Uh, I'm guessing it's a spotlight on a character named Hoist. I'm guessing that's what it means. Uh, Image Comics, we have 68 Jungle Gym, number two of four. 
Activity number 12, Artifacts number 27, uh, $1 reprint of Bedlam number one, uh, uh, as oh. well as Bedlam, Bedlam volume one uh, for nine ninety nine. Uh, the trade, yeah. The very disturbing cover. Uh, Black Acre number six. We've got Epic Kill number 10. We have got also a, a $1 image first edition of Great Pacific, uh, as well as Great Pacific volume one. Invincible Universe number two. Mice Templar 4, Legend number 2. Um, again, there's a lot of image first this week. Mind the Gap, Morning Glories, and Peter Panzer Faust, all of dollar first issues. Uh, Savage Dragon number 187. Snapshot number 404. Yes. Son of Merlin number 4. Spawn number 231. Super Dinosaur number 19. And, and 10 Grand number 1, which I'm sure it's a new book from J. Michael Straczynski and Ben Temple Smith. Had the pleasure of reading it already. It's pretty good. Sweet. Um, very Constantine-ish. Reminds you a lot of Constantine. Oh, cool. Um, Marvel Comics, we've got Age of Ultron number seven, all new X-Men number 11, yeah. Hawkeye number 10, which is Francisco's, Francavelli's first uh, uh, issue, full issue. The cover is fucking yeah. unbelievably gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Indestructible Hulk number seven. Uh, we've got Ooh. Iron Man number nine. We have got... Um, Sorry, Red She-Hulk, number 65. Yes. Superior Spider-Man, number nine. Yeah. Thanos Rising, number two. Ultimate Comics, X-Men, number 26. Winter Soldier, number 18. X-Factor, number 255. And X-Men Legacy, number 10. Um, from Oni Press, we have Wasteland, number 44. Uh, from Valiant, uh, they're also doing much like Image does. They're reprinting a bunch of their number one issues uh, for a dollar. Archer and Armstrong, Bloodshot, and Harbinger are all a dollar. Uh, as well as Shadow Man and Exo Man of War. So basically wow. all their ongoing series, all the number ones are dollars. If you've been looking to you know, take a step into that that pool, this is a great time to do it. Harbinger Wars, number two, and Shadow Man, number zero. Um, yeah, especially with new comic book day. They'll be sitting around. There'll be new people in yeah. the store. What the heck? It's a good time to do yeah. it. And from Zenoscope, Grim Fairy Tales presents The Jungle Book, Last of the Species, number three. So that is what's on the shelves right now. Again, guys, don't forget about new comic book day. Uh, we've already gone very, very long. We do have some listener questions. We'll have to save them for next week. Um, I can study then. <laughs> so don't worry. We have we have your listener questions, and we will definitely do them uh, in the next episode. Uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us, so, um, at Talking Comics on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and of course, comment on stories at TalkingComicBooks.com. Uh, best way and the most sure way to get your, you know, for your your question not to be lost in the clutter, email us, info at tongcompbooks.com. Uh, you know, it, it's just the best way to get in touch with us as far as long-form questions that we like to answer on the show. Um, my personal... Oh. oh, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. I just wanted to say, too, in regards to... Um, we do this every few months when we're looking for new contributors, so you might have seen our wanted ad on the site. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bobby and I are going through all of the emails right now. And we again have gotten an overwhelmingly wonderful response from all of you guys. Mm -hmm. And we're trying our best to get back to everyone. But at this point in time, we're kind of trying to contact the ones that we're interested in. And then if we have the time, and again, just keep in mind that we all have full-time jobs outside of (laughs) what we do here. Mm -hmm. So if we have time, we're more than happy to provide you guys with feedback on your reviews and stuff that you sent in for us to look over. But, um, you know, it might take us a little bit to get to all of them if you really want us to get back to you. Yeah. Well, uh, Stephanie had to have it down to a short list of people to bring on. It's just the matter of sitting down and kind of going through that stuff and doing it. But it, it and, will happen soon. And just a, 
I know. Sorry. I just wanted to say thank you. There's a couple people who I got to talk to on the weekend that listened to the show. Um, Kenny, who is a listener and thank you for coming to say hi. Cause all of us, when we're out at things like you guys at New York and mm-hmm. when I'm out at shows, I love meeting you guys and Travis, um, oh, cool. our contributor, I got to re-meet him again. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Awesome. Continue that. Awesome. It's bitchin'. <laughs> uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob? Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. And Stephanie? I'm Hello Cookie on Twitter. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening to Talking Comics. Uh, we'll be back again next week, and we're going to be reviewing Iron Man 3 oh, next yeah. week. It will be out, and we will be dissecting that for you guys. Um, but till then, that is it for Talking Comics. So for Steve? Meow, meow. Bob, good night, and Stephanie. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>